This episode is brought to you by GovX, and as you know, I only have companies on here that I truly use and believe in myself, and GovX is a complete no-brainer. If you are a member of fire, police, EMS, corrections, military, and even hospital setting doctors and nurses, you qualify for the free membership to GovX, which marries us with discounts from so many companies that you probably already use. And on top of that, it's not just for active duty, but also retirees, veterans, and volunteers. So for our professions, having to purchase so much of our equipment, every single dollar counts. And understanding that, GovX has reached out to you, the Behind the Shield podcast audience, to offer you an additional saving. On your first purchase of $50 or more, if you use the code SHIELD, S-H-I-E-L-D, they will give you an additional $15 off your first purchase. And another layer of GovX is GovX Gives Back. Every month they're going to sell a different patch and the proceeds from that patch goes to a charity that supports either first responders or military. So as I mentioned before, go to GovX.com, G-O-V-X.com, register for your free membership and save every single time you purchase. This episode is sponsored by 5.11, a company I've used personally for well over a decade and continue to use to this day. And 5.11 wants to reach out to you, the audience, and offer you a discount, which I will get to in a moment. As with each episode, I want to highlight one of their products. And I think an area that really needs to be discussed is uniforms. So most of us listening to this podcast are in some sort of uniform profession. And 5.11 were founded on clothing the tactical athletes. So they went to the member of military, the police officer, the firefighter, the EMT, and asked them what do they need to function at the highest level when it comes to their clothing. So their uniforms are reverse engineered from the user back to the manufacturer. Another observation I've made in several departments I've worked at is that we end up with lockers full of worn, faded uniforms. And what I found with the 511 uniform that I wore in California was that wasn't the case. They lasted several years and some of the job shirts and jackets lasted way longer than that. So longevity and cost efficiency is also another element to this as well. Yet another layer to this is the female tactical athlete. So they realized that men and women, surprise, surprise, are not shaped the same way. So they started designing uniforms accordingly to fit the female tactical athlete and allow her to be able to move efficiently. So, so many reasons why I advocate this company. On top of all their other great products, the Norris sneaker, which I think is a great alternative to a station boot, the AMP pack or missions backpack, and then their civilian clothes as well, their shorts, their jeans, so, so comfortable, so user-friendly as well. So, 5.11 are offering you a discount of 15% off all of your purchases. So, use the code SHIELD15, S-H-I-E-L-D-1-5 at 511tactical.com. That's 511tactical.com. And to hear even more about 511, their mission, their products, and their genesis, listen to my interview with their CEO and co-founder, Francisco Morales, on episode 338 of this podcast. Welcome to episode 391 of Behind the Shield podcast. As always, my name is James Gearing, and this week it is my absolute honor to welcome on the show... Raul Rivas. Now, this is part two of a three-part series I'm doing this week on the pulse attacks. So in this discussion, we talk about Raul's journey through law enforcement, all the specialty teams that he was on, entering the Orlando SWAT team, and then obviously spending some time on the law enforcement perspective of that night, including his team ultimately killing the attacker. So such a powerful perspective. I cannot recommend listening to this enough. It's two and a half hours. You need to listen to all of it. 
Before we get to that episode, please just take a moment, go to whichever app you listen to this on, subscribe to the show, leave feedback, and leave a rating. Each five-star rating elevates this podcast, making it easier for others to find. And this is a free library for you, planet Earth. So all I ask in return is that you help share these incredibly powerful stories so I can get them to everyone else who needs to hear them. So with that being said, I introduce to you, Raul Rivas. Enjoy. Well, Raul, I want to start by saying thank you for inviting me to your home. Thank you, sir. Anytime. You're always welcome. So, <laughs> you like my little Christmas tree? My son did that yesterday. That is cool. I just I just flew <laughs> to Universal today, and it was so weird because there's Christmas stuff everywhere. The Christmas music was playing. Right, right, and right. People are uh, they're ready for Christmas. They're now. ready. Yeah, we're ready. I tell you, it's been a crazy year. So everybody's ready to kind of get this thing over with. So <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, for people listening, where are we roughly? Where are we located at the moment? We're in St. Cloud, Florida beautiful yeah yeah. so it's a a nice little town just south of orlando all right so i like to always start chronologically you've got a very interesting you know story leading up to you know obviously a chapter that was quite well known in your career yes sir um so tell me where you were born and then Mm -hmm. your family dynamic what your parents did and how many siblings oh okay uh so i was born in new york city manhattan new york um Back in 1970, so I'm one of them old dudes. Uh, <laughs> Not far behind you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we moved down to uh, Orlando, Florida back in 79. Um, and so I grew up here in Orlando, uh, went to local high schools here. Um, and then after college, I uh, well, I did two years of college, and then I went to uh, the Army Reserve. And that's right when Desert Storm uh, started, so I ended up going to the desert for nine months. Not so reserved. Yeah, not so <laughs> reserved. So uh, I ended up going to the desert for nine months, uh, and when I got back, I, I kind of knew before I left that I was going to you know, maybe look into law enforcement. Um, got back, and I, I uh, put an application in for Orlando and Orange County. Uh, Orlando called me first. I was, you know, and, and it was just that simple for me uh they called me first and and uh it got me in there and i was a young 21 year old you know and uh uh you know bright-eyed and bushy-tailed uh, of course and uh so they hired me when i was 21 i actually uh actually turned 22 on the street during during my first phase fto um and i never forget that it was a a lady that had a uh somebody had thrown a burning piece of wood through her window and uh, we had to go in there and, and retrieve the wood. It was part of my training. Hey, you got to go find the evidence, you know. So, and she happened to be a hoarder. That was my first experience with dealing with hoarding. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember going into the bedroom and uh, my FTO, you know, coming in behind me. And uh, when I got to get on the ground, I, I I was looking at the bed and it was just a weird feeling. Like, what's you know, something wrong with the bed? And this lady would actually... This is a way. I'm sorry. I got off on a tangent. No, no. I love the tangents. uh, (laughs) She she actually would pee on one side of the bed, just pee herself, and then just roll over and sleep on the other side of the bed. And I wasn't, it's my first time. I'm just looking at it like, you know, what's wrong with the damn bed? You know, and I'm having to, I'm going to have to crawl under this bed to get this piece of wood. And I just, I froze for a second trying to just 
figure out what's going on in the I remember my train was like, ah, come on, come on, come on, let's go outside. And that was right at midnight. I just, I had just turned 22 and I'm like, man, I'm turning 22 and I'm about to, you know, <laughs> climb in, you know, under a bed that's full of piss. And <laughs> so, yeah, so uh, I started uh, law enforcement when I was pretty young with Orlando PD. Um, and I did 26 years with Orlando PD uh, and I retired back in uh, 2019. Um, and I'm, I'm reserved now. So yeah, it's, it's a good career. I'm Beautiful. pretty happy. Did, uh, got, did SWAT for 18 years, uh, detective with the robbery unit. Um, I uh, task force with the FBI, ATF, and the U.S. Marshals. Uh, I was real fortunate to do that. You know, all them things. I was undercover for a few years. So I, I was able to move around. I had a blessed career. I can't complain at all. Beautiful. Yeah. There's a lot in there to unpack. Yeah. The, the, the order house, I can relate to that. I remember one, one we went to, um, I'll never forget because we stepped off the engine. Two doors down, you could smell this house. Oh. It was disgusting. But oh. this, uh, this, I think it was the younger, like the daughter, had obviously inherited the house from the mother. And the mother was on this bed. And even the void spaces on the bed there were like piles of paper and everything. Yeah, yeah. I've never seen a carpet worn to the floorboards before. They were threaded. The little pile, yeah. the, the, the pathway. Mm-hmm. So yeah, oh. there was chicken bones. There was dog shit. There was, I mean, you <sighs> name it. It was. But yeah, I mean, pe- people have no idea. What yeah, it's like. I, that that was my. You know, it's smack in the face. You know, I was twenty one, like I said, and uh, just to see that the, I'd never known. I don't remember if I even heard the term back then. I mean, we're talking about 92. Way before the TV show. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I don't even you know, I'm not sure what we called her. Just, you know, back then just kind of called her a pig. I, I don't know what we called her, but yeah, it was a hoarder, you know. And, and we actually, we, we had to kind of walk a path through the house because there was stuff. Just shit everywhere. Excuse me, curse. Yo, please, please. <laughs> they, cursing was, is encouraged. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there was so much shit. We had to walk a path through the house because you, you know, you couldn't, you couldn't see the walls per se. You had made a path through there, and it was just, just incredible. So yeah, that, that's a one of my many stories. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a, that's a great tangent to start off. I want to go back to your, your earlier yeah, yeah. life, but um. Uh, there's a, a friend of mine who I had on the show who specializes in teaching fire about horror houses. Um, and, you know, it's it's an absolute nightmare for fire. What about um, you guys, though? I mean, that must present a lot of challenges oh. for you if someone's hoarded up in there. Yeah, I mean, you know, so we've had a, a couple of incidents where we've had to go in. Um, a uh, couple different reasons why, but having to go in and try to find somebody and or uh, somebody that doesn't want to be found uh, in a hoarder house, uh, in, a, in a house that has a hoarder that lives in there. I don't know how you... <laughs> someone, uh, just, someone hoarding in a hoarder house. <laughs> uh, yeah, it just... I mean, the hide-and-seek possibility is just phenomenal. And, and if, if this person's seeking to do harm to you, it, it just... It just magnifies it that much more, the danger that you're in, because um, uh, I'm uh, I'm reminded of this time that we went looking for this guy and and this wasn't so much of a hoarder house. And, and again, I keep saying that hoarder house and that's that's correct in that. But uh, he had a closet just full of stuffed animals. And it was something out of a damn TV show. He's hiding his stuffed animals. I look. My partner looks, I happen to go around to the kitchen 
third guy is going to look, and from the kitchen, I happen to spot his eyes. Oh, really? And just, just amongst all those amongst other plastic all eyes, all the damn yeah, <laughs> happen to spot his eyes. So I go to screaming, you know, get your hands up, and uh, my partner that's right there points in the closet. It takes him a second to kind of find him, you know, but that's just amazing how. The, the challenges, the obstacles of trying to find somebody in, in, in a house that's, you know, full of that much crap. Mm-hmm. It just, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Luckily, you know, you know I'm still here and, and I got all my limbs so that haven't been hurt by doing that. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I always make this observation too. You know, we talk uh, about you know, the environment that we're at the moment with a lot of anti-police sentiment, which, right, right, right. you know, some has justified some yeah, of these yeah. videos that we've seen. Absolutely. Right, but I mean, right. is that the majority? Of course right, not. It's right, the 1% right, that right. should never have been on the job in my opinion um but you know one of the things is oh you stopped me because i'm insert yeah. color here right right now as a florida resident i think i'm one of the few people that doesn't have deep deep tints on my car right so again i don't know i mean right. talk about a leap of faith when you guys are walking towards a yeah. car you have no idea no if idea. a weapon is aimed at your face right and, and that's one of the things that's ingrained in us as uh as young officers we get trained uh and rightfully so, uh, that, that traffic stops are one of the most dangerous things that you can do. And for so many different reasons, um, you know, one being, again, a tent in Florida and, 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 you know, anywhere in Florida. I was going to say central and south, but anywhere in Florida, the tent uh, and, of course, the glare of the sun. And it, it just you yeah, can't you see can't in the see car. Anything. You can't see a damn Zero. thing. Um, and then you add to that. The, the criminal element, and I, I'm always amazed by this, the criminal element that believes we know what they did 10 minutes ago. Mm-hmm. Probably don't. Paranoia, huh? This is paranoid. They're paranoid because they, they know they did it. Mm-hmm. And they think that we got the crystal ball. So they then heighten it up, you know, and, and try to hurt us try to run you know and all we did we saw a tail light you know uh, or whatever the case may be and sometimes we do know so i you know sometimes there is a time that you know that we do know but yeah it's it's the most dangerous uh of one of the most dangerous things that we can do as officers is stop in the car because you just don't know anything you know when you go to a call that you should get some information you know, you go into a domestic violence, you go into a fire, you go into, you know, a medical, you go, we, we get some kind of stuff, some something that we can kind of grasp onto and at least we know what we get into uh, the traffic stop outside of the little bit that you saw, you know, which is the, again, the tag light out, uh, the tent being too dark, uh, uh, speed and outside of that, you don't really know who, who's in there and, and what you're dealing with and what, you know. So it's 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 a, you know just extremely dangerous and I, I you know God bless the troopers that do it just you know ten hours a day to whatever shift they work that's all they do God bless them you know it's just uh, at least I had some I had some variety in my <laughs> career so now you have now what about um, just because it's something I've talked about as well um, I, I kind of as a non law enforcement member. Mm-hmm reverse engineer like the root of the problem so perfect example you know the fact that we have um some of the issues where civilians are being killed 
you know, by someone um, in a uniform, you know, most of the time it's a gray area and it's it's justified because, as you said, it was the fog of war right, at that moment. Right, right. Um, but then you're like, well, well, how did that person get to that point? Like um, Brianna Taylor, that was a house that was being served a drug warrant, you know. Right, so, right. you know, I look at drug decriminalization, mm-hmm. look at some of these things. And one of the things that comes up a lot in a lot of the officers that are murdered is three strikers. So from a civilian and law enforcement safety perspective, what's your view on the three strike rule? Oh, that's a big question. Um, the three strike rule, uh, you know, first and foremost, I, I, you know, I, I don't, I don't. If I put you on the spot, we can, well, let me, I'm going to enforce a law that's kind of out there. Yeah. Um, and I'm not trying to be politically correct here, but that's got to be my first answer. I'm going to enforce a law that's out there that that, that I've sworn to enforce. So, um, and and in Florida, um, I mean, we have some dumb ones. Um, you know, it, 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 there's a law where uh, you can't carry a certain amount of oranges in your truck, or you can be stopped and and, and arrested or given a ticket. I forget what the hell it is, but yeah, you can't carry. You get to carry up to a certain amount of oranges I, stupidest thing I ever heard <laughs> I, was, I was um, waiting for the punchline yeah <laughs> it's, it's the stupidest thing I ever heard there's, there's another law where uh, you can't openly carry in the state but if you're going fishing you can openly carry a gun that's crazy so my point is there's some things that you know Raul may not agree with I'm going to enforce the law, you know, and that, that's kind of what we have to do now. We have discretion um, on on uh, arrest, but the uh, the prosecution of it, that's not, you know, it's kind of that's way out of my league. Um, so, um, and, and of course, the writing of the laws is way way out of my league. So, uh, yeah, I, you know, there's a lot of crap I don't agree with, but. You know, gotta do what we gotta do, unfortunately, and and I and I'll do it to the best of my ability, and and I I, I use every bit of discretion I have um, within within reason. I mean, I, I've only got so much, so yeah. I'm not sure if I answered your question. No, you great, did. You but, did. Okay. And that's that's something that's come up, and we'll probably get into this a little bit when you're talking about your um, some of your other specialty work but when I talk about for example decriminalization one of the biggest opponents is law enforcement and I totally understand it's because you've been enforcing it the whole time so yeah, if yeah. we turn that around they're like well what the hell have I been doing this this whole time well but you know I don't I don't that doesn't bother me at all so so when the laws change laws change you know we have to uh, you know we, we don't write the laws um, so I shouldn't care about, when I, I shouldn't say I shouldn't care. Um, I'm, I'm a professional. We all are professionals. And when the laws are written by the people that do that, the smart people, you know, and, and, and when they get uh, judged and, and, and case law gets done, you know, and, and, and our job is to follow that. So if they say tomorrow that, well, we're going to start issuing a ticket for uh marijuana or or we're going to just decriminalize under a certain amount or we're just going to decriminalize the whole thing well that's what the hell it is um you know 
Again, it's one of those, just like I just said, I, I may not agree personally, but as a law enforcement officer, if you're asking me, uh, you're asking the officer Revis, give a shit. I, I, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to do, I'm, I'm going to follow the law. Um, and, and, and if I have discretion somewhere, if, there, if there's room for discretion on that, then, you know, I'll, I'll try to use that to the best of my ability. But they say tomorrow, you know, Hey, heroin. We were wrong all these years. It's a it, it's it's a it's a medicinal drug, and uh, we want everybody to to have that to heroin. <sighs> you know, <laughs> but that's what it's going to be, though. So, yeah. uh, you know, and, and I made that except that's a horrible. Uh, that's never going to happen. I don't think. But that's why I even use that example. So. <laughs> yeah. No, and, and that's you know, I'll, I'll kind of explain my my thought process on it a little bit. But again, yeah, the. The shifting not to to advocating for it, but just making addicts patients yeah. rather than right, criminals. Right, you know, right. but, but. Yeah, no, and and there's a shift there. I think that, um, and we're having to uh, adapt to that. Um, you know, the shift is coming. You know, as far as the marijuana, it's already medicinal, I believe, here in Florida. Right? I think so. Yeah, I yeah. Got so, dispensaries open. Um, and. Uh, you know, I, I believe that the shift is coming where it's it's, it's going to be decriminalized. It's just across the board. And, and it is what it is. Um, you know, personally, I'm not going to go smoke any marijuana. I just don't think it's something for me, you know. But uh, I, 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 we have to adapt that, um, you know, people, there, there's, there's evidence out there that people need it. Um, um, it's, it's got value, a lot of value, you know, and, uh, we have to adapt to, to, to those realizations. I mean, it's not, you know, I don't think it's voodoo, uh, you know, uh, voodoo stuff. It, it's, it's real. I think, you know, there's enough evidence out there and the country's going that way, you know, so, uh, get on board. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you, you look at the violence that we'll, we'll talk about in a second, but that you see on the streets. I mean, I see from a different lens, but, you know, we, I've pulled yellow sheets off enough teenagers that have, you know, been involved in that. But, right. you know, we, we talk about, you know, defund the police or, you know, the opposite, which would probably almost never happen, but actually get more police officers, more training, you know, but, but either way, but again, that's still addressing the symptoms. You know, what I would love to see is that, you know, we're not empowering shit bags by giving them all you know the illicit drug trade but we just cut the head off the snake and then therefore we can have two to a car now you know yeah, what i mean yeah. and and, and right. actually clear right. the court system so that we can actually chase the sex offenders and all these right. real shit bags right. that we need to be no I, 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 I completely understand that argument um and it, it's a legitimate argument i i, I you know i think that you know i think you could if we were to decriminalize all the drug or, or take a different approach to it, could we focus more on? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Uh, but there is there is a drug problem, you know, and, and uh, I can attest and I know you can, too, that, um, you know, I've seen the crackhead, you know, and, I, and I've seen the effect it's had on babies. Um, so. There, there definitely is a problem now. You know, I'm not debating that that's what marijuana does or anything, but but there there are different drugs that we definitely have a problem with, um, and, and we can debate that too. I've had people tell me, you know, that 
cocaine is a functional, you know, just powder cocaine is a functional, uh, how do they say functional drug? I guess people function well on it or whatever. You know, back in the 80s, I mean, people were. Oh, it was running like, America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> running Wall Street. Exactly. And, and, and they were functioning well, mm-hmm. you know. So um, I, I've heard that argument as well. But, um, you know, I've seen it. I've seen the other side of it. Yeah. You know, so uh, that would be some of my argument, you know, and, I, and I've been fortunate to uh, do street level and then do some mid-level undercover stuff. And, uh, yeah, I've seen the other side, you know, and uh, and, and it it's definitely can be besides the addictive part of it and, and what it does to, to, to its victims, uh, the violent side of it, the, the violent business side of it. It is, it's definitely a problem. And, and we don't have to go any further than, you know, our own streets tell us that. But then if as you keep going up level to level and, you know, the cartels are just unbelievable what's going on, you know, down in Mexico and just, you know, it, and never mind South America. I mean, I'm not even going on that far. But yeah, so it's it definitely more sides to it and just, uh, you know, decriminalizing it and, and kind of, we got to, we got to worry about the effect it's going to have. And, 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 you know, I don't know, uh, uh, if we, you know, would the pendulum swing way over if we were to decriminalize it? That's way above my head. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting because I got to, to sit down with a guy who did it in Portugal, decriminalized it. Oh, okay. And they, they funneled all their addicts into addiction programs, mm-hmm. job creation, all that stuff. Because they, they, they viewed it as a mental health issue. Right. But what they did was, you know, again, they took all the power away from the dealers, all the power away from yeah. the smugglers. Yeah. And even what's really interesting in some of the most recent interviews, and I know you were in the Middle East yourself, mm-hmm. is that a lot of terrorism is funded by the illicit yeah. drug trade in the right. opium field. Right. So, right. you know, my thing is, you know, we don't have Jack Daniels and Jim Beam having <laughs> turf wars, you know. Right. And, and no, no, it, it's, a, it's a great argument. I'm not, I just don't know, uh, man, I wish I had the crystal ball to tell you how it would work in 10 years, you know, 15 years. Because that's what we're talking about, you know. We, if we made that type of move, it would, you know, how long would it take for uh, us to reap the benefits or... or or say, well, hell, you know, we were wrong. We made a mistake here. Yeah. You know, how long would that, would that take? And, and, uh, you know, how many, how many victims, uh, and then how many people would we, would we help? I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I, you know, it's just, uh, and there's a lot of money tied up in, uh, the war against drugs on both sides. So, um, yeah, it's definitely another, another, uh, factor. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you. I, mean, I just I enjoy hearing the perspectives. You yeah. Know, everyone. Yeah. I mean, for you, you've been around. Absolutely. You know, undercover. You've yes, been sir. around the, the gangs and everything. So, um, we're going back to way back to, to yeah. your deployments. So, <laughs> okay. From you know a, a high school kid. You know, what was that experience like being thrust into Desert Storm? <sighs> Man. Uh, you know, I was just doing reserve to kind of help pay for college. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of plans going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, um, and I was, I was back home, um, and there's a storm started kicking off. And I remember getting the, you know, because back then it was, they had to call your house. You know, there was no, I didn't have a page or anything like that. So, they had to call my house and, uh, uh, gave me notification that you know we're on super secret squirrel standby for the conflict in the Middle East, and I'm just like, what? 
in the hell are you talking about? You know, I mean, I barely knew that we were in a conflict in the Middle East. I just, you know, I, my mind was, I was 19, you know, uh, yeah, 19 going on 20. Um, like, what the hell? And uh, it happened so fast. I, I, I don't think it was a month where they, they had us shipped off to uh, Fort Stewart, Georgia. Um, and it was... It was the end of October, beginning of November. We were shipped off to uh, Fort Stewart, Georgia. And uh, we had to do like a, a month of training or so over there. And, and, and uh, I, it told us, hey, it's, it's hot. Never rains. You will carry water. A gallon of it. Wherever you go. Cause it's just that damn hot. So we're in there for a month. And they're, and they're saying that shit every day to us. Every day. We land over there just before Christmas. Get on the ground. It rains for three days straight. <laughs> <laughs> so rains, oh, we don't need these canteens anymore. Uh, oh my, I'm, <laughs> we're, carrying, we're carrying milk jugs full of water. Gall- everybody carry a gallon. It's raining and it's cold as hell. And I'm, I'm, yeah, I mean, everybody's throwing the damn, I don't need that damn thing, you know, and, uh, and it was just, it was just miserable, just miserable. But then after that, um, you know, it, it, it got to be, uh, so I was in a small base called KKMC, um, which was just like 30 miles south of Kuwait. And, uh, we, we actually helped kind of build that place up and it became a small base, for the Americans and some other uh, allied troops that came through there. Uh, that was, it was a whirlwind getting there. I, I you know, I truly, I, I remember Fort Stewart vividly being over in, in the desert. Uh, that was just an experience. I, you know, again, being 19, I, I turned 20 in December. So I just turned 20 in, uh, in December, like I said, and uh, uh, just before I got there and, I just kept, I remember kept, you know, thinking that this is supposed to be just the best years of my life right now, you know, and I'm, I'm out here at this, you know, and, and, uh, it was, uh, it, you know, but then, you know, that, that thing happened so fast. So the military had, they shot people over there so quick. I mean, they, they got us all over there fast. Um, come to find out, I, they didn't know exactly who was there. So we actually got tasked with counting people coming back. Oh, they literally didn't have a head count? Of they didn't have an accurate head part. count. Yeah. So they <laughs> knew, you know, unit this bata- or battalion or let me back back up. They would uh, say, you know, this company was here, but they didn't know if you were mm-hmm. here. Right. So they had to count people coming back. And uh, I'll call it back. Uh we actually got tasked with going and, and helping to count the people come back. So as, as you'd come through or we'd come find you, James, you know, Raul, yeah, put hands on you, you know, okay, they're coming back and we'd make the manifest for you to go back. <laughs> so, and, that, and that's kind of what my job ended up being because that war, uh, we went there and we helped, like, so we, so we, uh, we did, bunch of personnel stuff and construction uh stuff but that was 
that was quick. My job was done the first month I, after I got there. I was like, you can send me home now. But they're like, no, no, we're going to use you for something else. And again, the, the, with the, with the war, the war was 100 hours or something like that. So that war was quick. So now I was having to get people back home. And so we ended up doing having that job, the counting people coming back home. So uh, get back home. And that's uh, I went to work for Circuit City. And uh, and that's when I put my application in for OPD. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. did so you didn't have any kind of like actual engagement with no, the enemy? Oh no, no, no. Just saw a bunch of you know. We got to visit this highway, this death highway, so a bunch of dead bodies, but no engagement, no combat stuff over in the in, mm. in the in the, in the, in the, uh, in the army. No, no. Gotcha. All right. Well, then walk me through that then. So so what was uh, your your initial entry to OPD like? And then tell me about your you mentioned yeah. like some of the specialty teams. Yeah. Like yeah. Some of the highlights so, uh, of that. Orlando PD uh, came on and uh, I was sworn in November 8th, 1992. Uh, like I said, I'm, I'm an old guy. Uh, initially went to patrol. Uh, had a great time with patrol. I rode, uh, they, they called the Southwest Sector of the city, which was uh, like Richmond Heights, Richmond Estates, uh, had Kirkman Road down to Universal, uh, Carver Shores. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, um, so I had, you know, and, and I loved it. I mean, you know, we were, I worked the evening shift for the most part in patrol, which was, uh, back then was two to 10. Well, let me back up. When I first came on, uh, we were still doing rotating shifts. So every six weeks you had to rotate backwards. So, you know, you do the midnight shift, then to the day shift, then to the evening shift, and you kept going that way. And that, that was rough. That was, that was tough on your body, boy, that first week or so, especially going to midnight shift. So, um, so then, uh, so I worked the Southwest sector of the city, like I said, um, man, and we were, we were ripping and running. We were going at it. Uh, it, it was just a lot of stuff going on all the time because of the, we went to permanent shifts at one point finally, and the hours I had were 2 p.m. to 10.30 p.m. And it just, I mean, it's from the time we got there to the time we left, it just didn't stop, which was great. It's when you look back at, you know, when you started and when you looked at your watch, six hours had gone by. You had no idea. You just, you know, it just, just that, that fast because you're just doing so much. Um, and uh, I did I did pretty good. I was, uh, <clears throat> got noticed by, by uh couple of higher ups and uh they started a paramore bike unit um and this was the very beginning of this it was brand new bike unit uh federal grant you know um and we got to wear little cute shorts and the tight white shirts you know (laughs) uh and we got to ride down paramore with and for people that don't know paramore uh is uh right in the middle of the city and 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 can we use the word the word hood? It was yeah, this kind of the, the gift team that I had on are based in Paramount. I was just doing a, a ruck with them the other day. But oh, yeah, I mean, okay. it's definitely one of yeah, our more so, desperate neighborhoods. Right, right. So, uh, uh, so that's where you know I ended up riding the bike, the bike patrol, and that that was a good time too. We did some good stuff there, um, you know, and tried to make it, it was a good unit because uh, we kind of focused on getting the criminal element. As, as well as trying to help the good people uh, of, of the neighborhood. So I, I loved it. It was a great time. It really was. Um, so I did that for a little while. And then uh, then they started a newly uh, a new gang unit. And uh, same thing. I, you know, my my, uh, my su- supervisors and superiors uh, liked some of the work I was doing. So they asked if I wouldn't mind going to the gang unit. And, and of course, when you're asked by 
higher ups you do you know what they're asking you to do so i i went to the gang unit um and and that was different that you know i did i didn't know that we had i, I hadn't seen any gangs in orlando and that, but you know i was i was on paramore you know so i just didn't know well tell, but, tell me about it, just just to interject for a sec because i'm curious when i was out in california Right. They, they were blatant, you know, uh, yeah, MS-13 yeah. and yeah, Mexican yeah, Mafia yeah. and all these. Yeah, um, much, much you, different. Yeah, you don't smaller, see it. Yeah, smaller than that. They're not, they're not, uh, not as big, not quite as violent on, on a whole, you know what I mean? So we did have our gang violence here, um, and, and, uh, but not to, not to the degree of the Californias and Chicago's and even New York, you know? Uh, but yeah, we have, we have, uh, some, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Some, uh, splinter type gangs, uh, in Orlando. Some of them are all, you know, from the, the bigger gangs, you know? So, and then we get those guys that, that are transplants from, uh, from those places, that moved to Florida and, and they're the real deal, you know? So we got those as well. Um, it, it, and it was all, you know, a learning experience for me. I didn't, I didn't know that, um, I worked the East side of town. So I, I the, the whole time, uh, before the gang unit, I was on the West side of town, the gang unit, they moved me to the East side of town. I dabble a little bit in Spanish. So, um, they moved me over that way and, and to take advantage of that. And, uh, Again, what a learning experience uh, that that we had, you know, uh, different gangs in different little pockets of the city. Um, And and our job for the most part was uh, because we were just starting up was identifying everybody, you know, and, and trying to, you know, put them. And their little boxes, if you will, you know, this is this person here, and he and he's claimed affiliation with this gang, you know, and kind of knowing that, um, and it, and it was a whole lot of intel gathering uh, initially, because um, the, the the bigger the 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 bigger goal here is, is you know if and when these guys do start committing crimes, we kind of know. Where to yeah, start looking? Are, yeah, so who they are, where to look, right? So mm-hmm. um, that's kind of how that worked. So that was a that was a learning, uh, a, a definitely a learning time in my career. Did you see much inter gang violence though? Because I, I just working some of the bad areas, OBT and that that kind of place, it seemed like it was more drug related robbery, prostitution than actual right. gang on gang that I saw out west. Not a, there wasn't a whole lot of gang on gang. Um, we saw gangs doing stuff you know, doing the robbery and like, but as far as them fighting each other, we didn't get a lot of that. Um, it was, it was a little bit, you know, it was, it, every now and then you'd see something, but it wasn't a whole lot of it. Um, we, and we saw, so we, the, the gang activity here was a lot from the younger people, you know, uh, uh just barely adults, you know, and, and some juveniles. Um, and again, I'm talking, we're going way back to 90, 95 94 95 so you know going way back now so um that's uh that was kind of the activity back then that we saw um you know the the, uh the older gang guys that we ran into they were more about business more about getting whatever they were trying to get done done under the radar you know so um, when we got to speak to them they would, you know, 
pretty much say that knucklehead, you know, he's a jackass and you shouldn't have done that, you know, kind of thing. Not because, uh, you know, he cared about what he did, just now he's brought attention mm, to what I'm doing here and that's what I don't want. So, and that's, that's kind of the, the, the feel, the vibe we would get from the older guys. So that's what the, the gang thing was about. Yeah. yeah. So, and, uh, from there, uh, I went to, uh, went to undercover. I was with a task force, uh, and, uh, did some undercover work for a couple years. That was fun. Uh, a great, great group of guys. Uh, and, we did some good work. I mean, we were buying and, and, and uh, putting guys in jail for drugs, uh, and it was mid-level stuff, you know, so we weren't doing the uh, the crackhead on the corner, you know. It was, uh, we were buying a decent amount of, of, uh, of drugs at a time. Um, good work, uh, and, and the guys we put in jail went to jail for a pretty long time, so uh, because of the amounts that they were dealing in. And so, um, and then from there, I went back to uh, FTO, um, I started training guys uh, on on the road, um, and that was that's probably some of the hardest work I've ever done. <laughs> and why? Just uh, you're responsible for for this new guy next next to you. No matter how good or how shitty he is, it's your responsibility, and uh, and you've got to document everything that's going on so you've got to be watching them at every moment um and and it's just a lot of responsibility and and the the work you're doing double work because because not only are you doing the police work but now you got this whole documentation you got to do about the police work that you're you're doing with him and uh and, and so it's of course it's easier when you get somebody that's that's good and, and it's harder when you get somebody that's bad, of course, and uh, uh, and of course the documentation for the guy that's not that's that's bad is it, a whole lot more than, of course, the guy that's doing good. Mm-hmm. You know, now, so, where, was it Orlando good at getting rid of the ones that weren't that the consistent? Yeah, there, there was good? a process. There was a process to it. Um, it, was, it was a long process. They they, they uh, Orlando's real good at giving you every opportunity uh, to succeed. Um, and you will go through the process. Um, and, 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 you know, we can call it process. We call it chances. They give you chances. You know, they give you every opportunity. And uh, when it's done, it's done. You know, and, and they have a, they have a, I don't want to call it a hearing, but they kind of put everything out in front of you. You know, and say, these are the reasons why. You know, and, uh, and, Chief, uh, you you put it in front of the chief. He's you okay? That's enough said, you know. Mm-hmm. And he'll make a decision. Yeah, yeah. See, that's yeah. very important. And when I was talking about Anaheim, was you know one of the the bars set high. The, the attrition rate of the probie class through the year, the, the probie year, was twenty five percent. We'd lose because they held the bar up and they they kept it there. Right. You know? And I think that's right. important. And some of the you know some of the the rare cases that were being highlighted and just dogmatically replayed and are tragic these people right. were killed you know they right. shouldn't have been right. killed but you know you can see that they're in some of these cases just you know physicality whatever it is that just obviously the the bar wasn't held high and, right. and, and I mean there's the always fun- a, I, I'm sure you know and I I can 
I can remember times, you know, where there was a discussion on whether this person should should go forward, continue through the program or not. Um, and, and that I, you know, I, I would imagine that happens at every agency, but um, they did pretty good at, again, identifying the problems and giving opportunities to, to correct it. And then if not, yeah. putting all the evidence up. So, um, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's a, again, I, I did a long career there and I, and I loved training doing the FTO thing, but it just it was a lot of work, you know, and, uh, um, they did pretty good back then. You know, I can't speak to it now. Well, I can't speak to the training that they're giving. Now these, these, these guys, these new guys are getting some top notch training, uh, Man, they just—they're getting some good stuff. Uh, but as far as the where we're talking about the the them going through the process and 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 weeding out people, need to, I, I can't speak to that right now. But yeah, I would imagine it's gotten better. Yeah, you know, as far as uh, how how that's going. So we'll see. Well, and we talked about this before we start recording, but it's mm-hmm. a good place to talk about that. Kudos to anyone yeah. who steps up right now God and joins law enforcement. Yeah, I absolutely. Mean, uh, yeah. The, the climate that that we're in right now um yeah we were talking about uh uh i can truly say and we always we always say this about fire and, and police you know it's it's a calling right well truly now if you're going into this profession a, a law enforcement officer it truly is a calling because there's nobody just doing this to, to to do it in this climate for the glory <laughs> yeah yeah for the glory of it so if you're doing it now it's truly a calling and god bless you uh be safe absolutely you know, absolutely Beautiful. Well, then walk me through your entry into the SWAT program. And then also let's talk while you're doing that. Let's talk about the kind of training you guys were having and, and obviously yeah. the yeah. the foresight of some of these horrific incidents, the one that we're going to yeah, talk about. Absolutely. Uh, so I got out undercover and I'm doing the FTO thing and uh, uh, SWAT post, you know, they had some openings and uh, I, I, you know, start training, you know, harder and I was training, but I, I just knew, let me, let me do more running. <laughs> so, uh, uh, and the, the, the selection process is pretty rigorous. It's a three day deal. Um, the first two days is, you know, physical and, and mental third day is, uh, and I get more detail into it, but the third day is, a uh, interview. So the first day is just a straight, you gotta go do the old course. And, and it, it's a uh, it's the Orange County Orlando, uh, Orange County obstacle course. Uh, it, it just it's an ass kicker. Uh, it's just just a gut check. It, you know, and, and when you go there not knowing uh, some of the little intricacies and the tricks and on, on how to do things and maybe conserve a little energy here and, 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 you know, put your foot here and roll here instead of getting, you know, just, just different mm-hmm. things. Uh, you know, you use a lot of energy trying to get up and over maneuver your, you know, my, my fat ass uh, around there. So, uh, <laughs> you're not fat, but yeah, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 trust me. Thank you. But, but yeah, but you know, so maneuver my, my big ass over there. So, uh, uh, so that that's the, the this, that's the first part of the day. So and and what they do is so if you uh, they have a time limit, let's say fifteen minutes. So if you don't make it in fifteen minutes, you know we appreciate you coming out. You go home. You know you do make it under the fifteen minutes. 
go to the next phase. The next phase is a shooting phase and it's a precision shoot. So there's no stress. You're just doing like a semi-state qualification type deal. And you have to hit so many. I mean, if you don't, we appreciate you coming out, you know, and, and you go home. If you do, you move on to the next day. Uh, the next day is a uh, agility course. I can't remember the name of it. <laughs> and the agility course is, again, it's, it's, it's an ass kicker. Uh, and it's we always tweak that year to year. Um, but it's about a six to seven minute stressful um, obstacle and shooting course. Uh, stressful because somebody is there pushing you the whole way. Mm. So you're and shooting when you're tired as well. You're shooting when you're tired. You're doing uh, you're doing small things. So what I mean by uh, small things, you know, the uh, the gross motor skills and that kind of, we, we're testing all of it. So uh, they get you tired Basically, and this is the whole principle. Gonna get you tired and make you do some physical stuff. Get the heart rate going. Then we're gonna have you go to this table and put the gun together because your gun's sitting there and it's all torn apart. Mm-hmm. So now you gotta put it together, and while you're breathing and your heart rate's at 120, you know 130, whatever mm-hmm. the hell your heart rate may be at, and then you're gonna put the mask on. Now you're gonna go shoot that gun. Then we want you to jump and and, and go over some more obstacles. And pick up a gun that you've never shot before, but the trigger's in the same place, and just you know aim that way and, and shoot it. You know that kind of stuff, and, and, and it's just to see if you not. And then you got a guy yelling at you the whole time. Some of it's instructions, some of it's just nonsense. Stress. Yeah, just to stress you out. Can you can you weed out while your heart rate's up, while you're doing shit that you may not be comfortable with, while you got a gas mask on? Can you still think? You know, so people like go out there and think that we're just having fun, you know, messing with people. No, we got to see who can take all this, all this stimulus coming at you and still be able to calm it down, slow it down and and be able to think. Because that's the person we want that's going to be able to learn, um, you know, under fire. Uh, And I'm not talking about... uh, uh, literally under fire but just be able to learn under under stress and, and uh and pick things up and be able to slow things down doesn't mean you slow down but mentally slow everything down and take it in you know and and, and yeah so uh so that that's the agility course and then uh same thing time limit on that you don't get a certain time you go home and then the last part of that second day is is a a scenario based deal and it's the same type thing but it's just all scenarios and but they're they're hard scenarios um and extremely stressful and you don't stop so it's scenario 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 just keep going and so uh and and it's the same thing we uh guys have to be able to think under the stress at the very end we'll ask you James, what happened? Why'd you shoot that guy over there? Slow it down. Get your get your mind right. Be able to say what the hell's going on. Usually everybody passes the scenario. I've never seen anybody not pass that. The third day is the uh 
the interviews and again it's just a perceived stress because what we do perceived stress excuse me uh what we do is uh we put the applicant up on the stage and so when i say stage it's just a raised uh area a raised stage like a foot and a half let's say um and he looks out and he's got the commanders in front of him and the whole SWAT team's behind them. They're all looking at him and they, people get freaked out by that. Mm-hmm. And stage they start, yeah, stage four, exactly. So, uh, so commanders ask questions, you know, the basic stuff and then some scenarios, you know, but you know, why do you want to be here? And, you know, what would you add to the team? That basic stuff. And then, uh, and they'll ask some scenario questions and, uh, the commanders are good at ask your scenario question, you answer it, and then the next guy's gonna ask, Well, why would you do that? Are you serious? You know, and, and, yeah, and second guess yourself. Second guessing yourself, you know, uh and, and see if you're sure about what you you know, do you know what the hell you would do under these situations? You should know. Because we don't give them anything, uh people think we we would go in there and give them a SWAT question, you know. No. We give you just regular stuff. Cause there's no different. We don't have a different use of force because we're on SWAT. They didn't. They didn't create two of them. It's the same documents, same rules. We got to follow. So, um, but what normally happens in that situation is uh, guys get the stage fright and they start uh, freezing up, second guessing themselves, uh, um, or or just saying stuff because they don't they don't have it in their head right just yet you know and, and command of the of the of the material you know as far as uh how the use of force may work or how the policies work so um it'll come out so that's that's the process for the SWAT team and it's uh and then we tell everybody it's that's actually pretty easy because once you're on it's harder to stay on <laughs> so uh and and because you know every man's got to be able to do all those all those things we, we you know we make sure everybody does it um, if you can't do it, it, you know, commander get get on you, and you've got a certain amount of time to get it done. So, uh, but you know, it's never happened before. But uh, yeah, um, and the amount of time that's you know it takes to stay on a team, it, it just uh, we you know, I, God bless the guys. I I love the SWAT team. Uh, the SWAT team I was on, and I love all SWAT teams around the country. But uh, uh, the amount of time that we put in to to the training and the, and the camaraderie and, and, and the bonding that, that we have, it, it's second to none. So it really is a, it, it was, it was a great time in my career. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, it's amazing to watch. I, I, well, I ran with the Orange County SWAT a few times as the, as the medic and EMT. Yep. Even yep. when uh, Joe Biden was the vice president, when he came to town, and it was crazy, like following the Bearcat at 70 oh, yeah. miles an hour yeah. through downtown Orlando. That was a, that was a career moment. Um, so obviously we're going to talk about Pulse. So just yes, kind of prior to that, yeah. talk, talk about the kind of what-if scenario training that you guys were doing prior. Yeah, you know what? Um, and and I, I tell you, uh, I believe that Orlando is... Good. Uh, I believe Orlando is one of one of the, the premier departments in the country. Um, and I say that because I have been fortunate in, in my lifetime and my career to uh, travel different places, you know, different agencies around the country. And uh, and, and I've been able to kind of, hey, you know, we're doing that. We did that last year, you know, or or 
Yeah, I heard about that, you know, with, with, and that that's always cool mm-hmm. to kind of get that, I don't want to call it feedback, but just get that information, you know, and, and, uh, and uh, that's, that's pretty cool. So um, we, uh, uh, um, we, we kind of have a training by committee. And, and what I mean by that is you have an expertise. So we're going to use your expertise and you may be the guy doing the training today you know, on, on whatever hostage rescue or, you know, whatever it may be. So, uh, you have an expertise in active shooter stuff. And so we're going to, you're going to be the one teaching the active shooter. And of course you may have two or three guys with you, but you're the guy. So, um, yeah, we, we had, we had as a department and as a SWAT team been training active shooter, uh, and hostage rescue and dynamic entries, uh, just consistently that that was you know that was bread and butter and building searches probably those four things um just co- consistently we that's what, what we what we did that's what we did um and, and i i'm gonna jump forward just a little bit here uh and i i say to the point we've trained so much that to the point that when pulse happened at the moment that he came out shooting that little bit of time was slow in my mind i remember thinking oh he's shooting i'm gonna shoot him <laughs> you know and, 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 and clicking the fire and then pulling the trigger i i, I remember those steps in my head that's interesting because dave grossman talks about that about yeah. everything slowing down some yeah. people i've had on here said they, they didn't have those moments but many others have I, said I, that, I, that kind I, of now moment. I didn't hear shit mm-hmm. I can't I, I I don't remember hearing anything um, no I don't remember hearing anything uh, and then I heard I did remember hearing the ceasefire um, but like you know I remember hearing the click of the when I when I came off with safe to fire, but then the squeezing of the trigger and hearing the bullets and stuff, I don't I don't remember any of that. Um, but I, I just it was that moment was slow, and and I I attribute that to just the training. It, it was Absolutely. I'd seen it before. It's a flow state by that. Yes, point. sir. Yes, sir. So and and I, and that, if that doesn't make anybody and and people that have been involved in shootings will tell you like you just said Dave goes that that's all attributed to, to training it's just you, your mind's seen it you know so now you can kind of flow yeah no exactly <laughs> but it's, it's so interesting though because yeah, yeah. You know, that's all these all these lines intersect and you know one through mm-hmm. line is hire the right people another through right. line is keep training the right people keep, keep that bar yeah. a high eye. you yeah. said about staying in the SWAT that should be the same right. for the what do you call them the straight legs so yeah the, straight legs yeah. <laughs> or, you know or the regular firefighters right. or you know regular medics right. we should all be held to that bar yes. because if yes. we're not training if we're allowed to deteriorate, deteriorate through our career right. and you have that moment and now you know the SWAT team is mowed down by this shit bag coming out of Pulse and now he continues to kill even more people. Right, right. You know, just right. The, what's the difference? The only difference is that you guys held yourself to a high standard. Yeah, yeah I, I, and I, I, you're right. I completely agree with you. I can't say much more than that. Just, uh, we've, like I said, we've got that saying about it's harder to stay on the team than it is to get on the team. Um, I, I, yeah, I wish it was that way for departments at large. It's not, though. I mean, uh, uh, 
OPD does a, a decent job of, of doing things to uh, encourage guys to stay in shape. Um, you know, we, we uh, they have a program where you can do this. Uh, it's not a physical. Uh, what's it called? It's a uh, where you know. Uh, damn it. Not a PAT, but it, it, they call it something different. But, you know, it, it's it's a, a functional type PAT. Okay, yeah. Um, so, you know, if you get out of the car and you get the, you know, uh, uh, go to the trunk and pull out a gun, put it in your holster, or you squeeze it so many times, and you, then you got to run 220 yards or whatever it is, go over some uh, obstacles, uh, pull the dummy a certain amount of distance, you know, then go over against some obstacles and then go back to the car and, you know, that kind of stuff. And if you do it under a certain time, you get like 12 hours of comp time or something like that. So, um, and people take advantage of that, but that's, and people actually work out for it. Cause you know, it's basically money, you know? So, um, they do a good job of trying to find ways to get guys to kind of stay physically fit. Um, but yeah, you know, I wish there was more and, 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 OPD fought for that too. I mean, and I, I kudos to the training department. They fought for a bunch of years trying to find something to, again, uh, encourage guys to, to keep that bar high. It's, it's not easy. It's not easy. Um, you know, it's, the culture is not that way. So, um, but yeah, they, they've done a pretty decent job of, of finding ways to, and not giving up. That's, that's probably, because they, they very well, you know, in their fights over the years, just, just you know, Forget throwing it. their hands up and just, you know, hey, it's just not going to happen. We're going to be fat fuckers for the rest of our lives. So, uh, <laughs> you know, but <laughs> they haven't done that. They've, 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 uh, they've stood in the fight and, and, and you know, Staying creative, you yeah. know, and find different ways. So, yeah, I, again, I, I, I praise OPD. They, they, they do a pretty good job of, of a lot of things, you know, so, yeah. yeah. Well, and I think that's the important thing people understand is there's ownership on the individual yeah. and then there's also an environment yeah. that causes people to, to thrive or to break yeah. down. And that's what we right. see in the fire service that people right. understand is, you know, we have to approach both of those. Mm-hmm. You know, and again, like you said, weed out the people that just don't care, don't want to get in shape, help the ones that do, that have got deconditioned. But if we're then working them into the ground and we're understaffed and we're having a mandatory, that's not going to create a healthy no, population. No, it's not. No, it's not. And I can, uh, I tell you, uh, we have a couple of those. You know, you got guys that just burning at both ends at, at work and then, you know, got stuff going on at home. Just They just don't have any time for a walk. I mean, so, uh, uh, and, and we've got to, you know, it, it's, it, that's such an uphill battle to identify that and then, uh, and then help it. Um, you know, cause the work's got to get done and the home life is, 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 is what it is, you know, and, but you know, we can find ways to do that, you know, on duty time, you know, giving the guys a half hour. Um, but it's tough. It's, I say that, uh, you know, it's easier said than done. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've been lucky in my career to have units where I was, I was allowed to go, you know, take a 45 minute workout and it's not, it's not as much as I would want, but I can go get me, you know, a 30 minute run in, you know, or get on the bike for 30 minutes and do something that's better than nothing, Absolutely. you know? So, uh, but you know, not everybody has that, 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 uh, th- those chances. So, um, now, but now the patrol guys, the straight leg guys, um, 
they they work a 12 hour shift so they work a I think it's two on, two off, and three on, three off, something like that. And uh, so they have more time at home this this way, um, and they they seem to love it, you know. I, I, so I got, I've just missed it. I got off the street right when that was implemented, um, and I was like, "Holy shit! I don't want to work twelve hours." <laughs> like, I just couldn't imagine doing it. But they absolutely love it, yeah. and. Um, from and this is just me talking to people uh they seem to be a happier healthier officer since i've gone going to those shifts um i think the time at home gives you know so it may not work out for two days but then they're working out for two days mm-hmm. you know and, or, sleeping, and, and sleeping better you know so uh it, it seems to, to help them a little bit so uh and and that's I, let me say a lot of bit before that um it just not the guys were just disgruntled they weren't but just they just seem to be happier now the 12 hour shifts guys love it and, and even a uh, 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 inkling of of you know we're looking at coming away from that you'll, you'll, you'll hear the bear wake up and they'll be upset because they, they love the 12 hour shifts so it makes them happy yeah. so that's a big deal it's yeah big I think deal. that rest and recovery is under under recognized and I think with some of these Let's call them the gray area yeah. incidents. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, it's it's all well and good to look at dash cams and, you know, body cams and be like, oh, they clearly, well, through sleep deprived eyes, which probably anyone listening to this podcast yeah. can relate to, yeah. whether they're yeah. a doctor Absolutely. or a nurse or right. a firefighter, right. your decision making is completely different. Right. Completely different. Right. So if you right. want that clear headed, you know, mm-hmm. officer, medic, firefighter, you have to look at how you're working them too. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, and there's a, there's a bunch of things you can put in place for that, but, um, yeah, we have to be looking out, uh, for the guys getting enough rest and, and not coming, not coming to work. I mean, so it used to be a day where you could go and work an extra duty job and then come to work and do another eight or 10 hours. And then if you wanted to, you can go work another three or four hours and there was no uh, checks and balances for that. Now they've got some systems in place, some checks and balances. Uh, they got a program where uh, uh, you can't sign in for, well, unless you lie. And if they catch in that, you're going to be out of a job, right? So uh, you can't sign into any off duty within a certain amount of time of your regular duty. Yeah. You know, so, and that's one of their ways of trying to, help out the guys um they the new department we have now the new building um they have a they have two quiet rooms you can go catch you a couple z's in there excellent you know so um and, and it's just 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 a, a room bed and, and i think it has a chair in it you can go catch a couple z's you know um and and so there's there's certain things we can do to kind of help out with that uh and the bigger thing is, I, you know, I tell the guys, you know, don't be afraid. It's, James, you look like shit. Mm-hmm. Maybe you take four hours of comp. Absolutely. Go sleep in the car. Go home. You know, okay. and, 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 and I say, I say those, all those options because, you know, you never know what a guy's going through, what a girl's going through, and, you know, how many hours they got, and then if the financial situation is. And what, but you're no good to us if you, you know, you're a walking zombie no good to us you know so absolutely that, that's such a big deal um and, and again i think the 12-hour shifts help with that uh 
guys are, are able to work those extra duty jobs on their off days because they got you know they can maneuver a little more instead of having to working on top of a shift or before a shift they can work on their off days and they, you know, they have some financial uh, uh, issues or they have some goals they want to meet they can do it they got enough time on the off days to kind of do that so it's definitely helped a little bit with the a lot I think with the with the uh, OPD's patrol guys beautiful so, well, yeah. that's great to hear. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's 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 come over years now. You know, the the, the new station is how old was that damn thing? Three, four years old now. So it's you know, it, it's just things that uh, again, kudos to them. They've listened to over the years, and, and they got the program. That program is maybe six years old. Uh, Maybe shit, maybe seven, eight years old. I don't know, but uh, that program helped out with some of that. You know, as far as making sure guys didn't stack all these jobs around around their regular shift, and then the the quiet room, like I just spoke to, and it's it's all stuff that's come over time and management listening. You know, and and recognizing that, yeah, we need to make sure our guys are rested. So they listened. They listened. Excellent. Yeah. So, all right. Well, speaking of days off. Uh -oh. I know the day that Pulse happened was supposed to be your day off. Oh, and Jesus. you have a pretty interesting story, kind of the, the shift prior to that. So let's kind of start the shift before and walk yeah, us through yeah, that yeah. night. Uh, I always tell everybody, this is, this is the SWAT gods. I don't know, you know, it's just my story, but uh, maybe the SWAT gods getting us a sharp net knife for, for this big one, you know. Uh, I'm going to go two days before. Friday, we had a call out, a uh, guy holding his kids hostage. Um, you know, I, I, I've got a picture. I have, I responded and, and I, I had jeans on. I just threw my vest on, helmet, grabbed my gun and, and, and got into it uh, and, and ended up good. You know, uh, we, we were able to the guy got under one side it's weird he he went into one side of the damn apartment and the kids went other side we went, reached through the window and grabbed the kids out you oh, know nice. so that kind of worked itself out so uh but that was over a, a, a set of hours um then uh saturday midday um we get called out big vehicle pursuit um yeah, guy from I think he came from Lake County and, and don't quote me somewhere out to the to the uh, west, and uh, they chased him all the way down into the city, and he uh, he crashed, ran into an apartment, took a couple of guys hostage, and uh, call us out. We we get out there again. It's midday, you know, daylight uh, three, four, five, somewhere in there, and. Uh, we uh, we get the guys out. The bad guy's still in there. We throw gas in there, and it is. I mean, we throw a lot of gas in there, and he is just. I guess we like they, like we threw him chiclets. He was just eating it like <laughs> <laughs> just, just like his body spray. Yeah, <laughs> just didn't didn't care. And and we I mean, because usually you hear a <clears throat> you know some. Didn't hear a damn thing. Like, holy shit, you know, how's this guy? Well, you know, at some point, 
the rubber's got to meet the road and we got we got to go get this guy, get him out. We're not going to sit here for the gas is now working and we're not allowed to burn him out. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so we, uh, so we, we go and make, we make entry and, uh, he, uh, I never forget it was myself and James Parker and uh you know and uh and uh and Mike Pollock and uh we go upstairs and uh we the last place we check is this bathroom upstairs. And now you got you got people don't know that when you throw the smoke in there it, it it's it's oh, excuse me the, the the gas in there it, it's smoky it, it it's cloudy in there. So the visibility is 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 low. When we go into that bathroom, which is tiny, it's a tiny bathroom. He's laying on the ground uh, on his back, looking up at us and gives us a fight. Because it was it was so small in there when none of us could, could really maneuver. He tries to bite one of us and just gives us a fight. And, and we got gas mask on. And, and we're giving them all we can, but we, none of us can get a, get control of them. Cause again, it's so tiny in there. Um, James falls into the tub. <laughs> um, I, I am just trying to get a little bit of space between where he's laying and either the wall or the, or the, uh, the, the, the vanity thing here, you know, the little cabinet here where the sink is, but he's taking up the little floor space here. And uh, we finally kind of like the guys, the three of us are in the bathroom. So you have four men in this little bathroom. There's guys behind us like, hey, we'll pull them out. We'll pull because out there they could get control of them. The, you know, there's more space. They can turn them over. We couldn't we couldn't turn this guy over. It was just too tight. Was there. he a big guy? He was he was a uh, he was maybe a little bit bigger than me. So but just. Having him to try to roll over with the three of us in there just wasn't, and, and, and him fighting. I mean, he was flailing and just just grab. He he grabbed James, went to bite James, you know. So he again, he was he was giving us all we could handle. The other guys finally like pull him out, you know, and uh, we. <laughs> so again, we got gas mask on. Uh, they they finally get control of him, handcuff him. Uh, so I'm walking out and I'm going down the stairs. I'm walking outside and uh, I'm thinking to myself, I got to get to my car. I'm about to pass out. Mm-hmm. I'm feeling, the, I'm feeling the, 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 the darkness come in. I'm like, but son of a bitch, I'm going to make it to my car. These young fuckers are not going to see me <laughs> pass out here. So I'm beelining it. And I'm focused. I'm laser focused. As I as I cut the corner, I see James, and he's sitting on a couch that had been thrown out there, and he is just just kind of, uh, you know, just kind of and I'm like, okay, it's not just me. I have permission now. <laughs> like, it's not just not just me. And uh, so I make it to my car, and I just uh, I just you know just just kind of, and I'm just trying to get my air. Because fighting with that gas mask on will take it out of you. Mm-hmm. And, I'm uh, coming from a firefighter right yeah, now. You know all about <laughs> it, right? So, And we must have been fighting in there. And realistically, it, it felt like we were fighting for 10 minutes. But I think we fought for about a minute, 
minute and a half in there, you know, and it, that's all it takes, you know. So, and uh, so I got to my car and I, I was I was taxed, you know. So uh, that recovered myself, you know, good. And it's Saturday, family function going on. Like I said, it probably five, six, seven o'clock now. So go to family function, chilling. Everything's good. I get home. It's one o'clock or whatever time it was. And I always tell everybody, and I exaggerate this a little bit, but I said, man, I, I, just, I just did get my left ass cheek on the bed real good, and the damn phone goes off. <laughs> I'm like, you got to be shitting me. You're still you know tired from before. <laughs> you got to be shitting me. So, and, uh, I look at the phone, and I'm, I'm like, and, and then they're saying, uh, uh, active shooter, uh, did it say pulse? I'm not sure if it said pulse, but active shooter, whatever the address is. And, uh, I just remember thinking, I got time. This is going to be over in five minutes. By the time I scratch my ass good and, uh, you know, <laughs> brush my teeth, I'm going to, this will be over. Is that, that's the norm for most of them then? Active shooter. Yeah. You know, I tell everybody active shooter, what's, what's, where do they go? 10 if it goes 10 minutes with the training that we have now around the country that's mm. too long or it's just shooting then a suicide yeah yeah, yeah exactly yeah. so you know because mo- we know that when we push the action that you know the suicide is going to happen or, or or we end it mm-hmm. for them so uh I did just that. I scratched my ass, brushed my teeth, and looked at the phone, and nothing had changed yet. So I'm like, okay, well, by the time I get dressed and, you know, get downstairs in my car, be done. You know, nope. I get in the car, and uh, <laughs> I turn the radio on, and some of a bitch is still going on. So, okay, well, damn, this guy's, you know, I'm thinking to myself, this guy's still active, you know, and, and the radio, they were still talking. They were, they were, they were, they were talking. So I'm like, shit, you know, this is still going on. So, um, you know, I, I start, I start hauling ass, you know, down that way. And, uh, I remember thinking to myself, like, and where, you know, I know this club, I know it's down here somewhere. Cause I, and I look at the address. Okay, I know, I know around where that's at. I'll find it. You know, there'll be enough cars, I'm sure. So, uh, Damn it, I make a turn and and, and as, as I'm looking, I'm, I'm right there by, I'm like, holy shit, it's right there. I mean, I, I, I turned the wrong damn place. I'm right by the damn club. And uh, I end up, you know, freaking being smart enough to like drive an extra block and park down that way a little bit. And then I you know, started approaching and, and it just is one of them places that uh, I knew the club was there, but I never knew the club was there. You know, it's no, nothing. it's a very inconspicuous yeah, club because yeah. I used to pass it every day yeah. coming from RMC. Exactly. So you know it's there, but you just never really thought about it. Cause we, I, I don't ever remember there ever being a problem at that place as far as, you know, any, any big fights or anything. We would hear about, oh, there was a big fight at club so-and-so, you know, over the weekend. I never heard that stuff from that, from that yeah. club. So I never, you know, I knew it was there, but I didn't know it was there. But yeah, that's kind of the story of how I believe the, uh, the SWAT guys were kind of sharpening us up a little bit for what was to come. You know, and uh, yeah, that's my story. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's brilliant. So, so just 
in that case, so you know, a lot of the people that are responding, like the fireside, obviously mm-hmm. at Station Five there, and you know, we had um, I had uh, Davis Odell on yeah. the show. He'll be in the same week that we're doing this, um, and then um, Ryan and Maria on a, on a rescue unit. You know, they're they're on a unit. They're deploying from a certain place. They're on duty. What what was like for you coming from home? Like, how did you, you know? choose to meet up how did you guys start formulating a plan right right um so that that's that's pretty much uh we have a process we go through and and and, uh we get there and and we start uh you start checking in with the team leader and or commander um the the uh information we get on the phone initially would tell us where the where a SWAT command post is going to be, so that so first guy that gets to the scene, excuse me, that isn't already involved will pick a spot for the SWAT command post. Um, so that's where we're going. Um, so as soon as you get there, there'll be a team leader and or commander there, and they start deploying people to what's not filled yet. Um, so when we get there, um, I, I park a, a, a block to the east of Orange Avenue. I walk back to the club. Um, and so uh as soon as I get there, there's a, the Bearcats parked right outside of the club there. Um, really? Yeah. The Bearcats there is parked um, that's the south side of the club. I'm trying to get my, my bearings straight again. South side of the club on, I believe that's Esther. Um, and that's kind of where we meet because I think they're thinking that he's uh barricading in the back already so um and then uh you know we kind of getting the gist of what's going on because while you're hearing stuff on the radio you really don't know so when we get there uh moose kind of gives me a uh the whole story as he knows it and, and what had gone on inside the club mm-hmm. all right well i, I want to kind of just backtrack for yeah. a second let's follow his path okay and then i also want to talk about a dispatcher i heard you and doug discussing how how yeah. great that was too and your your supervisor going to the dispatch center which i thought was really interesting. yeah yeah absolutely absolutely so my old first jew was disney springs it's public knowledge that that's where he went to first so tell me about his path the the level of threat that was at disney springs what deterred him and then the route up to Paul. yeah um so yeah, they they know now um, that he went to uh, Disney Springs uh, initially, um, and he saw. Well, he he story is that he goes out uh, with a baby carriage um, loaded down with uh, guns and ammo, uh, sees a deputy, and that deters him, scares him from doing, I think, this is Raul's talking now, I think, uh, you know, just unleashing 
the same type hell. Too much resistance. Yeah. So, time. but the, 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 you know, seeing a deputy would have been too much resistance for mm-hmm. him, I believe. It, and they have uh, him on camera. Doing yeah, this. yeah. Yeah. So, uh, leaves there. Um, comes down Orange Avenue. Now, people that aren't familiar with Orlando, uh, Orange Avenue uh, at night, I forget how many clubs, 50, 60 clubs uh, and restaurants and and, uh, uh, just everything down there from the little pizza shop to the the big time nightclub with the, you know, from from the hip hop to the grunge to everything's down there, Uh, you know, and, and a pretty good stretch on Orange Avenue. Uh, but also down there in every corner is, is an Orlando police officer. Um, and, and at every club is, is, you know, at least two officers at every club uh, working some type of, you know, uh, extra duty deal. So uh, you're not going to go too much more than 50 feet without bumping into an officer. So, again, I think that that was way too much. Uh, you know, he wouldn't have got anything done. Had he tried to, uh, uh, you know, come out his car and uh, with a gun downtown? Because the other club was mentioned. Was it Eve? Is that right? Or I th- I'll say Heaven or Eve? One of those two. If I got that right. But anyway, there was a, there was a third one that he supposedly been cased. I don't know if yeah, that was downtown. That's why he dissuaded from there too. Yeah, I don't remember that. Um, I do remember that he came down Orange Avenue. And then, again, when I'm saying fifty or sixty, I'm not exaggerating. <laughs> oh, and, you I know. know. <laughs> in that corridor there, yeah, there's so many. So. Uh, but then if you just continue going down Orange Avenue and was it about a three quarters of a mile, I guess mm-hmm. three yep. quarters of a mile from the downtown proper. If you keep going south on Orange Avenue, that's where Pulse is. Um, and, and, and there's intel that he knew of Pulse, you know, uh, 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 and had been there before casing it out. Um, and so he uh, he parks his van, goes in the front door and kind of takes a little meander that I guess making sure it's people are in there. He comes back out, gets his gun and comes back in, does, does his thing. So let's talk about, so that there's, because I want to, what's beautiful about these three perspectives, I want to tell the story, your story, not yes, the sir. media's story, not the, off, you know, yeah. the, the chief story. Um, and, you know, I, I hear some, some, you know, pretty heroic efforts from some of the security guards in there, from the, the police officer that was there assigned. So tell me about, about that element. Uh so when things start going on, you know, I, I heard that uh, when I, well, I mean, things are going on, when he comes in there and starts shooting, uh, uh, security guard opens the side doors and, and which allowed a, bu- a bunch of people to get out. That's just, I, I can't say enough, just, just thinking in that kind of, you know, in that, in that moment to have that, that presence of mind. I'll tell you the other thing is the uh, DJ. DJ knew to turn the music off. I don't know if he knew or he just, but he turned the music off, turned the lights off. Oh, really? Yeah. Because imagine, just imagine that, having to do anything in that club, tactically. With the music blaring and the lights, all that stimulus, and then trying to be tactically sound at the same time. That would just, but yeah. No music, and, and I say the lights turned on. You know, like like the the it, it was still, yeah. You no, know, so you had a little bit, but it was still. It wasn't crazy, um, and so uh, 
he comes in. Adam's on the south side of the club, on the Esther side. When you come in through the club, you come in off the Orange Avenue side. Um, Adam is a uh, he was a motor officer back then, so uh, he had an unmarked vehicle, and he does not have a long gun. Um, but he was the one working extra duty at the place, uh, and feel fairly certain that neither one of them saw each other. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so when the shooting started, Adam took action knowing that he only had a handgun and that guy has an M4 or, or I think it's an M4. Yeah. Uh, he starts trying to take angles. Adam is, is trying to maneuver and get angles by looking through the doors and getting a clean shot and and he does he does engage uh the shooter by taking some shots from outside the club into him and he's, again he's moving around he's, he's on film kind of trying to look for an angle but he's got a See, club full of people to try and a not club shoot full of well. people exactly so um and at some point when other officers start showing up they start making a movement towards the club yeah that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, uh, he he did he did great. Um, you know, uh, Adam, well respected officer. Uh, you know, he's been t- tactical officer. Has been in a bunch of different units. Uh, I'm not sure how many years he had on them, but somewhere around the 15 year mark at, at, at that point. So yeah, I mean, he, you know, people uh, respect Adam. He did a good job. Yeah, beautiful. All right. Well then, so where where a lot of these kind of stories are going to overlap now is you know we have a whole bunch of people. Yeah. shot in there you yeah. know you guys are trying to formulate your plan you know there's the fire station literally a block over right um i know being an orange county firefighter that sometimes um you know the the upper echelon didn't play well with each other right um and on hearing some of these other stories the the people on the ground made it work regardless of that but from a you know a opd swat lens tell me about you know now, now you guys have grouped you know what what the next few hours looks like so, um, tactically, you got to know that there's uh, a difference between active shooter and barricaded gunman. And I always make sure that people understand that. Um, he had barricaded himself in the bathrooms uh, and no more shots were fired. It was quiet. Some people, you could hear some people, but it was quiet. So and and it, so there's a point where uh, uh, Scott Smith entered the club and and led and, and when he entered it was quiet. Then some shots were heard. They moved towards the shots. But then it's quiet again, and y- you can hear him on on video say where is this coming from he's in a club the echoes are different mm-hmm. he can't and, and he's looking at a huge well it's a huge but he's looking at a wall hallway door another hallway and he doesn't know where this is coming from and it's quiet again and it stays quiet for three more hours so we have a barricaded gunman now not the active shooter that we did a minute ago. And you were that original entry, they were also doing victim extrication by that point. And so by that point, people were starting up. I say people, officers were coming in from the Orange Avenue side 
and starting to like grab people and, and, and God bless them. Uh, those officers were, um, you know, telling guys, you know, or, or yelling out, if you're alive, raise your hand. Just trying to pick through dead bodies to see if they can find live victims, you know, uh, and, and, you know, none of us signed up. Well, maybe you guys did. <laughs> you know, none of us signed up for, for, for that, so to speak. I mean, and I always tell everybody, you know, this is this is something that you would see in a movie or on news in a war zone. You know, when you have just that many bodies just sitting, you know, just laying on the on on a floor like that inside of a business, inside of a club. Uh, and this is small town Orlando, Florida. You know, a small, small Pulse nightclub. Tiny little club. Yeah, yeah. So uh, for us to be saying that officers were going in there and, and having to rifle through bodies is just... Uh, I always it, it, it gives me pause every time I say it yeah no, I, I mean I, I can't imagine it. I mean I've seen some stuff in my career but nothing like that so. it's just yeah just the enormity of it and and uh and it was still it, so it was still live it, it you know it wasn't like the like they had uh you know or oh, everything's okay now you know no it was still going on you know and nobody had been neutralized yet there's no so and and uh and, and I, I say this, every agency that showed up, uh, there was no, there was no uh, hesitation on the green uniforms, the brown ones, the blue ones, the, you know, light blues, the, you know, everybody came to work and, and, and was trying to fill any gaps that were uh, present. You know, and so there, there was there was no hesitation on anybody's part, and, and I can't say enough for everybody that showed up, uh, that you know went to the club that night. So yeah, beautiful. Well, yeah, I know. Um, I think it was Maria and Ryan were telling me that even though, um, the Orlando and, and Orange County basically were handling that part, a lot of the outside agencies were then backfilling their stations yes. so they could run calls. Now yes. my last place didn't. And I'm appalled to this day that they didn't send anyone, even if it was just to give out bloody water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And I was told that we didn't know about it. (laughs) I'm like, you got to be fucking kidding me. But anyway, (laughs) regardless, um, I was like, I said, I was overseas at the time when this happened in Portugal. Um, But that aside, Mm -hmm. um, you know, these amazing people that were on scene that stepped up. But uh, one thing I hear a lot is station five. So they're right in the thick of things. You know, I've got I've got Davis's perspective of them literally not knowing what was going on. You know, so not again, not throwing shit, but from the law enforcement side, you know, tell me tell me the the story from knowing that fire station were there with the medics inside and and kind of how that looked through your lens at that night. Right, right. Um, so what for me personally. Um, while we're there, and, and, and I, I when I get to the cl- when I get to the club, um, I didn't initially know. I mean, I knew the fire department was there, but I didn't know what was going on with them initially. Uh, in reference to them, um, I knew that they had. And I, this is stuff I was hearing on the radio. Um, I knew that we were triaging people behind the Einstein bag, uh, bagels mm-hmm. place. Across the street. Yeah. So I um, knew that that was a triage place. Um, 
the word started getting to us that Station 5, like, we were like, why aren't they triaging over there, you know? And they were like, they're not open. So that, that's, that's, and I kind of, you know, I, I, I got focused on what I was doing. Uh, my next uh, interact or my next indication that something was weird about that whole thing was that uh, when, uh, so uh, one of the officers got shot during the, uh, during, during, during the last incident where, where we killed him. And, uh, you know, we called for OFD and nobody showed up. Um, it was right next to the club. Uh, there was a bomb threat. I get all that. Um, we were there, you know, so, uh, and so was everybody else. And I, I don't mean just SWAT. I, I don't ever want that to be. Everybody was there. Uh, uh, LEO wise. Um, no, you know, when the bomb threat came out, nobody left. And, and when one of ours got shot, uh, you know, we called and, and they didn't show. Um, that's my that's my view uh, of, of what happened. Um come to find out later that when people were coming out of the club and the officers were taking people out of the club, um, you know, they couldn't, couldn't get, they couldn't find them or they weren't coming out, but OPD had to basically transport like 15 people to the hospital themselves in their patrol cars and pickup trucks and that kind of thing. Um, and There's a supervisor that went to uh, went to Station Five and 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 had to break the door down down there to to with, with victims in tow, um, you know, and, and and guys were there. So that's the viewpoint that I have, and I, you know, I, I I I'm not gonna mention the supervisor's name, but uh, you know, that's that's a thing that that's what stood that's what stuck in us you know that, that's that, that's from our perspective and that's just uh i respect every one of firefighters you know I, i've always have always will because i know the job you guys do um and you, you've always been there for us and, and we want to always be there for, for for them and we will always be there for them but that was just a uh it stung a little bit um that they didn't show in our in our our perception that they didn't show up mm -hmm. yeah and it's, it's so interesting and we need to hear this i mean that's an uncomfortable yeah. conversation because it is. you know i've it had is. one of the yeah. five yeah. guys on but it, you know it's down to communication i know maria yeah. and ryan we're gonna talk about the breach in a minute yeah. but yeah. that's a funny thing with, with them and you know the lack of communication yeah. there and all these parties i'm sure we're all doing whatever they could but as you and I both know, when we go to some of this IC MCI training, right, it's right. beautiful. It's right. an orchestra oh. and it's everyone's doing their thing. But then you hear, you know, I've had guys on the, from the Aurora shooting, for obviously from Pulse and some of these other big incidents. And the reality is it's not. It's a cluster, you know, and we have to have a framework to try and cling to. <clears> but it's 
it's you know those guys and, and all these people that were around on the floor that like you said stepped up and there yeah. were bomb threats and they just stayed you know maybe they hid behind a vehicle or whatever but they stayed yeah there, yeah but they you know? stayed yeah. so but yeah. if that's not being orchestrated from from above and especially if it's an agency that hasn't taken the training series this this is the problem you have a you know SWAT officer shot you know you've got these medics that are are shuttling i know the orlando units shuttled loads and loads of patients i know the orange county units did but maybe there was a rescue staging yeah, that yeah. could have been brought over you know but so it's you know it's important to hear some of these things because yeah, we want to learn from it i want to make that clear is that um truly from my perspective and the, and the perspective of the guys around me that's where i'm speaking from uh yeah you know what you're just saying, it, you know, we do understand that, uh, you know, maybe they were busy doing other stuff within that incident. I'm just, you know, in my little world, and, and that's where we all speak from our little world, <laughs> in my little world, this is what it looked like, you know. Um, and uh, that's what that's what stung for a little while, um, you know, over it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I no, think but everybody it's, but it's moved past it, but we have to, uh, you know, we we got to make sure we talk about it. And you're right, the uh, the incident command, you know, that 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 thing is a is a great great tool. Uh, it just takes a while to get going, you know, and uh, and even with that, uh, you know, th- th- this situation, this uh, this incident, um, it had its ebbs and flows, like everything else, you know, has um, when the bomb threat came that 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 just started the clock you know because uh of the things that he said he was going to do within so much time you know so he was uh you know saying he's going to send people out you know and and with the bomb vest and you know uh, i forget if it's 15 minutes or whatever he said but uh, uh you know so that now put us on the clock Mm-hmm. Then the bomb dog pick up on his van too. Is that right? Yeah. So the, the bomb dog went about around the van, and, and uh, you know, he definitely indicated that something was in that van. You know, and, and uh, uh, so you know, so all that you know is all factors for. And I always, talk, I always, uh, you know, say this that you know you got the commanders, and, and they they uh, they they sit in the ivory tower, which, which what they're supposed to do. That's that's that's, and they move the chess pieces around, right? And where the chess pieces, so and, and that's what they're supposed to do. Uh, and when you know, as these things were ebbing and flowing, uh, of course, the bomb thing comes out. That makes them make different decisions, you know, and and, and quicker decisions, of course, and and uh, uh, so definitely. Um, there was there was a lot of factors there that would that would have changed things up, so, you know, as far as what people were going to do. So yeah, yeah. But I think that it's it's great to get these three different perspectives because at the end of the day, you guys that were on the scene, you learned your lessons. Yeah. But that's you know yeah. a handful yeah. of people that responded. Right. The right. rest of the world can learn from that and hopefully remember that story and apply it to their absolutely you know, so. absolutely. And I think uh, I think it would have been I think it's still. You know, not just the managers debriefing with each other, but maybe, maybe, maybe uh, the fire department and all the agencies, the uh, the actual people getting. And I know that's a huge undertaking because I mean, I'm I'm not sure how many people responded to that damn thing, but it it, it was a lot. You know, but maybe hearing some of these things from 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 you know 
the actual firefighters. You know, it would have been nice to hear whoever, you know, was was transporting people. Hey, yeah, when you guys called, we were at the hospital. Mm. See, you I know, know I know I was the Orange County here. guys didn't get that on their radio at all. Yeah, probably you know? not. So that's the other and thing. Is if, and of if course, they didn't you even get know that. Yeah, down. you get that too. As far as uh, the, uh, you know, we have like a metro channel here, but. Uh, the metro it, you, you're familiar with that right the metro channels it, where, where that's where like the uh orlando pd and orange county we, we can oh, merge like a mutual our, aid channel. yeah like okay. a mutual but it's it, it's a metro so it's a so the mutual aid is a little bit different we have we actually have a, a assigned channels that both of us can go to and be monitored by right opd or orange county uh and, and they work well, but I think it's just us. I'm not sure, like, if FHP or Winter Park, I'm not or sure the they can all, and the fire, I'm not even sure fire can get, well, they can get on our, I don't, I'm not sure what the capabilities with the fire department is with the o, OPD mm. and Orange County. Exactly. I'm not sure how so they, got that so yeah, it, it may be, but that's what the, that's what the incident command is supposed to, <laughs> you know, uh, kind of bridge that gap. Um, and it probably does, but, uh, in these situations, when you have uh, 20 different things going on at the same time, and you have the one guy in the in the uh, command post, whew, that's a whole lot of, you know, shit to be taken in and trying to uh, process it all and, and, and make decisions just like, I mean, I, whew, I can't imagine. I can't no, imagine. Absolutely. Well... Getting to so you said there was a ebb and flow. So you had the like twenty minutes of of the initial shooting, and then it was hours, wasn't it? Before yeah, it was, it was a good three hours um, from the the last shots that uh, Scott heard until the final shots at, uh, behind the behind the club when at, at the hole there. It was three hours that went by. So three what hours. what changed and made the decision to make entry, and then tell me about the you know, the first fail breach and then the Bearcat. Yeah, uh, so uh, Captain uh, Captain Canty, um, decision was made. You know, we're gonna try to save as many people as we can. Um, he uh, early on, you know, decided to have the bomb unit kind of standing by, um, and uh, we. I'm fast forward to some stuff here, but he, uh, we knew, we felt that we, we knew he was in the North bathroom. Um, so we were going to try to save people in the South bathroom. Uh, the, the, and this, you know, the bomb threat already came out. Uh, so we're going to use a, a, uh, a charge to make a hole. In the back wall there. So that was to remove people. That wasn't to remove people. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Uh, so they, you know, that the bomb guys come do their magic, you know, and uh, they they blow a hole back there. And, and and you know, we had talked to somebody at the club and 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 intel, and we and we knew, we you know, it was. 20 paces, you know, whatever the hell it was, you know, so this is where we're going to put it. Because you're doing it through a a brick wall. Brick wall, right, through through a center block wall, Mm -hmm. you know, so, uh, you know, we knew from this corner to here, you know, we should be right in the bathroom, this is where we want to put it, and uh, blow the damn thing, and it doesn't fall. 
shit. You know, um, two shits because now, you know, it's not a secret. You know, <laughs> definitely not. Not a secret from anymore. Right? From the medics. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, uh, and the second shit, of course, is that it didn't fall. Um, so we start using the Bearcat to kind of, it did pre- like, it like perforated it, if you will, you know, so, um, and, and it wasn't the bomb guy's fault. They, uh, they, they just got, they got bad intel as, as to the makeup of the building. Well, then that's an important lesson too, yes. is that, you know, you yes. had all the best intentions, but having that plan B is very yeah, important. Absolutely. So Bearcat was there, had the, the Ram up front there. So, um, we used that to finish it off, you know, and, and, and literally that first push at that whole perforated area kind of just fell in. So it it was right there you know so um that fell in and you know we go up there and damn it it's not in the bathroom it's in the hallway between the two bathrooms so it just like you know you got to be shitting me you know but again this is where i say that the, the swat gods are kind of looking favorably on us because it did put us closer to that door where he was because before that because of the bomb threat, we had to back out of the club. So now them double doors where that security uh, guard had opened up, let people out. We're kind of covering from way out there, looking to the very beginning of the hallway. We can't see down the hallway because we didn't want to be in there in case the, you know, the bombs went off. We have a little bit more chance of living out here. So uh, we're covering from way out there. Um, now, because of that breach with with you know and, and we, we knocked the, the wall down now we're we're looking at the door where he is at so now we've got guns right there pointed at that so if he comes out we definitely have you know a fighting chance and you're protecting the people in the other bathroom now too. and now so now we're making a hole we're making holes where the first one should have been right <laughs> uh and an attempt to try to get them out. So now we're standing between those holes and the hole by our initial hole in that door. Yeah. Trying to get people out of those holes there. Um, and that was, you know, that was, that was different. Um, you know, uh, of course people were just in shock, uh, you know, excited, um, they had, you know, they were quiet as church mice. And then uh, as soon as that, of course, that explosion happened. And then, and then we're, now we're hitting the wall right where they're trying to hide with the with the bear cat. And, 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 and bricks are falling on them. They, you know, they, they freaked out. Um, and, and it was definitely a, uh, a task to get them out of there. You know, come to me, come to me type thing. Grabbing them, pulling them out. The guys that were doing that just uh, as fast as they could, because you know, in our minds, the bomb was was going to go off any second. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if he's murderless people, why would you not think he had bombs? Yeah, as well? bomb's going to go Especially off any second. He's a jihadist. Yeah, and then uh, uh, and the the uh, the first explosion of trying to, you know, knock that wall in. We're like, you know, we knew in our hearts that that was going to be, you know, again, the secret is, is no more, you know, hiding. We're not sneaking around. So, you know, we're calling his bluff a little bit 
So it's coming. So this and and that the whole theory was we'll hold here. You know, got guns on the on the door, and let's just get one more person out. Let's get two more people out. You know, and until it happens. And so that was that was the whole that was the the game plan. Beautiful. Well, then before we get to the the kind of you know the final part, yeah. <laughs> um, one thing I just want to get back to because you mm-hmm. mentioned about dispatch. So tell me about um, your supervisor and how he went to dispatch. I thought that was a you know an interesting lesson yeah, to yeah, take yeah, away yeah. from. Uh, I'm I'm getting his name, uh, Sergeant Brennan. Um, so at the kickoff of this. When, when Adam starts calling for help and they start realizing what it is and uh, you know they notice an active shooter and, and, and I think at the point where he's kind of getting driven a little bit by Adam to the back they kind of realize okay this is that he Sergeant Brennan goes straight he's a, he's a crisis negotiator he's on, on that team he goes straight to dispatch Knowing that there may be contact made, and damn it, there was contact made. He called in to the dispatch. Sergeant Brennan was there to pick up that phone call and, and, and have some communication with him. Um, you know, able to get on, you know, on 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 tape, you know, his his whole. Uh, swearing his allegiance and that kind of stuff uh just the, the crazy stuff you know um uh he had some some dialogue with him but i think you know he he was he was in his mind he was set what he was going to do i don't think you know unfortunately i don't think uh well we know sergeant didn't have any success you know deterring him from his final goal so yeah but, but uh, yeah but kudos to him to having that 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 sense to just kind of hey, it's going to be contact made it's going to be there first you know and, and that's exactly how it happened exactly yeah, it. It happened. I think that's yeah. just an important thing I heard you talking about that yeah, with Doug and yeah. the guys and you know, that was it just he didn't go moth to the flame he, thought, he right. took a step back took a breath like you were saying yeah. with the SWAT stuff under pressure yeah. and actually made a very and we, and we very all have our expertise right so and that's it's, this is unbelievable that he thought to do that um, you know and, and that's a a yeah, I hope people learn from that type of thing because that's a you know of course you try to set up uh, communication and but that all takes time, that all takes time, and and you know a good hour can go by before that shit gets done, you know and and meanwhile he could have made fifteen calls, you know so yeah absolutely sergeant did a great uh, awesome job awesome Beautiful. job yeah, yeah I just want to make sure we we talked about yeah. that all right well then. So obviously, at some point, he came flying out of the bathroom. So let's talk yeah. about the shitbags' de- demise. <laughs> he, uh, so we're we're the guys are rescuing people. Um, we're 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 looking at this door. Um, he's rescuing. We're rescuing people. The guys rescuing people, and uh, all of a sudden, we hear a couple shots. And. The six or seven of us that are sitting there, look, we all take a step forward. I, I, it's an, an instinct, I believe. You know, you go to the shots, you know, you go to, the, and, uh, you know, uh, 
scotch. No, 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 you know, and because uh, that hole is just big enough for one person to get through. And, and you probably got to put your gun you know, to the side to kind of maneuver your way through there. Uh, so we start throwing flashbangs, you know, uh, effort to maybe he's focus on us, you know, and, and, and distract them some kind of way. And we also take the bearcat and start punching holes into that north bathroom now where he's at. Uh, so because of the flashbang we just threw and remember that there, there's basically a mound of cement there on the ground in that big hole there, the first one we made, when we threw the flashbang, it, it, it blew all that uh, dust up. So we have a cloud of dust in that hole. Door opens and out he comes, double-fisted, uh, gun in each hand. And and I remember seeing the muzzle flash, seeing the figure. And like I was telling you earlier, I can everything kind of got slow for me. Uh, and I remember, you know, clicking off a safe, squeezing the trigger, and... Uh, that that part was real slow. Uh, he fell. Then uh, we uh, we walked up on him. We made an approach on him. Um, and I remember, so I I don't like the bomb thing. I'm, it's not my shit. It's not my thing, man. But we walk up there, and uh, as we walk up. Where I'm at, where I end up being, I'm kind of, you know, he's laying back and, I, and where I end up kind of walking up, I'm, I'm kind of right at his waist level, if you will. And uh, I see a battery pack and it's right, sitting right between his legs here. And he's got a button down shirt and there's two wires going underneath the really? shirt. So I'm, I'm hitting uh, James, I'm, you know, Battery pack, battery pack, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm pointing at it. Battery pack, battery pack. And uh, I'm like, fuck, you know, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna see the fucking thing go off. And, it's, you, know, it's, you know, I'm just thinking to myself, I was, I was comfortable. Um, I shouldn't say that. Well, fuck it. Um, you know, I made peace with dying. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and it was going to be by explosion. You know, by hit by a whatever bomb, it's just gonna happen, and when it happens, it's gonna fucking happen. I didn't want to see it though, <laughs> and my mind is just kind of fucked up. I didn't, I didn't want to look at the fucking bomb though, and so that in, in my heart, I was like, "Fuck, I'm gonna I'm gonna watch this damn thing blow me up," you know, and I just fuck. So, uh, and then we call the bomb squad guy over there, and he comes over and he fucking says, "We got a live the fucking live device." I'm like, "Fuck." You know, and so, okay, we, we you know, we just got to save these people, you know, so we fucking people start, I'm, I'm fucking hitting, you know, he's dead, I fucking start hitting the, uh, the wall on that side with the fucking, uh, with the ram, uh, I have a ram, handheld rump, so I take turns at it, we're fucking making holes as big as we can, as many as we can to get people out of there, um, because, you know, I'm. We just shot this fucker up. He's got a battery pack, two wires. 
Why hasn't the damn thing blown up yet? I'm thinking it's just a wire. It's just fucking. We must have dislodged somewhere, and, and it's fucking gonna. It's gonna. It's gonna. It's hanging touch. on top yeah, of each other. Yeah, it's gonna touch any second now, and so I'm thinking we're gonna die. You know, so uh, get as many people as we can out, and then when they, they finally, you know, we get everybody that's alive out, and we, and we back out, and uh, that that was that to me the bomb thing was the most eerie thing of the whole the whole night. Just the, the you know, I've always the, I, I, the bomb thing just because we have no control on that shit. There's nothing you know we can. I mean, like if the bomb guy comes out and he's over there and I can shoot him in the head, you know, and stop it. And that you know, but like the bomb going off, it's not. No, I can't do yeah. anything. I mean, you so, killed the guy and yeah. didn't, I didn't solve the problem. <laughs> yeah. So and that's that. So that's always been one of my like fuck. You know, the bomb thing sucks. So. uh here we are facing, you know, a bomb thing, and, and and I had just got my head good. You know, this is this is gonna, you know, and and then this is so. This is one thing to talk about. It's the first time that I can remember in my career where I'm talking to veteran SWAT guys, and we're all talking about how this this is it. We're gonna die tonight, and, and you know. Hope we can do some good before we die. This is this is it. This is it, though. So, some point in there, I got good with it. You know, okay, it's going to be the bomb. This that's, this is the way God's got it sent for me. So, um, I said, and then looking at it was just fucking me up. That that threw me for a loop. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's crazy because I don't. I don't think many people know about the bomb story either. But you know, to yeah. Yeah. to have been through all that, to have faced a hail of bullets, and we'll talk about Mike in a sec. But um, and then that not be it, like you said, and then yeah. and then having that moment. So during that frenzy, you know, one of your your friends was hit. So let's let's yeah. talk about that too. Yeah. Uh, so Mike, uh, new on the SWAT team, less than. Six, six, less than eight months, uh, and he just you know he'd been running. He's actually one of the initial guys that got there, um, and you know he was told in the middle of everything, "Hey, go heavy," which means go put your shit on, you know, the vest and helmet and everything. God bless that that, that was told to him because he you know if not you wouldn't have any that shit on. Um, excuse me. Uh, so when this guy comes out and it's double fisted again and starts shooting, Mike is right there with us. And Mike's got his gun out too. And Mike, this badass that he is, takes one in the helmet, knocks him on his ass. He returns fire from, from his ass. Really? Gets up, kind of shooed back behind us. He goes back, does a mag change, and starts walking back to the fight. That's that John Wayne shit we all dream about. Apart from John Wayne didn't do that shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> it's real men and but women that do this shit. that's the shit that we talk about, you know, and, and uh, the helmet, thank God, did its job. Um, it it, it, uh, it stopped the bullet. Um, it, it So the helmet stopped the bullet but of course, the the, the helmet itself um, protruded into Mike, and, and that's what cut him on his forehead. So, uh, you know, 
course, he, <laughs> he, uh, he asked somebody, uh, hey, I think I'm hit. As he's got, you know, blood running down his face. And of course, a uh, guy he asked, like, no, no, you could just go sit down over there, you know. So it's <laughs> <laughs> just don't a flesh wound. Yeah, no, just a flesh wound. Don't worry about it, you know. So, uh, uh, and then, you know, Mike was, uh, he was upset later on. You lied to me. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, so Mike, uh, he goes down and, uh, you know, it, it, they, they sit him down, you know, and hey, just relaxing, you know, and, and, and uh, that was one of the instances where, uh, we, you know, we start calling for OFD and, 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 uh, you know, nobody showed. So he was put in the back of a pickup truck, you know, and taken to the hospital, um, you know, and, and, and being okay, I mean, concussion, but you know, he's okay, you know, but, uh, at that moment, you know, it was, it was, uh, it was different, you know, definitely wanted, uh, some medical help. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. And that's, that's and that's an incident where I again I haven't ever been in a tactical space as a medic. I was definitely a road I was gonna yeah. head towards um had I been an agency that had that right. and I, I wasn't. But mm-hmm. um what's interesting is I know Anaheim mm-hmm. when I was there, um uh, I think they've gone now to, to tactical medic where I th- I believe they're sworn in as well. So they're right. carrying a sidearm. Right. So they're right. okay. in the hot zone. Yeah. Whereas a lot of these kind of tactical medic programs are still kind of staging yeah. away, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, and it just seems to me like this is the perfect incident to highlight that, yeah. you know, put put these, you know, get these people trained mm-hmm. and put them there. So Yeah, yeah, no, you know, absolutely. So you we, have uh, that person to lean on. And, and that's something that, uh, you know, I think we, we at OPD look at a lot. Um, it, it, it's a... Uh, you know, we're pretty progressive department. Um, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of red tape with that, of course. You know, and and getting the medics on the team. Um, at that time, we didn't have one on the team. Uh, I'm not sure if they have one now. Um, I know they were working in that towards that direction when I left. Uh, we we are we are, and it's this a thing. So let me. And we, we should have said this earlier. Uh, we are so spoiled at, at, at OPD. There has never been a time that I can remember that the SWAT team has gone somewhere without the fire department being with us. So we are spoiled in that. Same. Yeah. So we are spoiled in that. Usually, you know, when we say, you know, uh, whatever, and the fire department is there. Yeah, because I was there a lot of times with OCSO, but we weren't in any way, shape, or form tactical. So no, we, we no, were no. way, way, way back. Way back, way and back. I remember thinking, like, if the shit hits the fan, like, mm-hmm. we're kind of useless out here because we're literally just a right. medic and EMT right. versus, right, right. like you said. Yeah, having like somebody, a, now, that, that's a whole different, but I'm, I'm, just, I'm just getting it. I think that because of how spoiled we are and having the fire department, at least at the scene, and not having to call, you know, to come from the station, but yeah, at least at the scene, it's always been, you know, so we, we can make whatever scene safe pretty quick. And you guys are right there. You're only drag them out. Yeah. Yeah. So drag them out or, or even if we don't drag them out, this is now safe. And we're telling you it's safe. You're right there. You know, you're just behind some cars. And I just come up here and and said, you know, so we've been spoiled in that way. Uh, This, you know, this was, this was that bit, you know, this was a huge incident, you know, and, and and so many moving parts and, uh, and, and, you know, 
because of all the factors, I mean, because of the moving parts, because of the, the bomb factor and, and the, uh, the warm zone, hot zone, so all those things, I think, you know, all that led to, to the, you know, them not being where we wanted them for that moment. Exactly. You know, so, and I, I, you know, I get that. I yeah. get it. So, and just to kind of finish up Mike's story. So, again, talking about the cost of service. So, yeah. that injury ended up retiring him. Yeah. So, Mike, uh, you know, bless his heart. He's, 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 uh, he's finding his, 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 his way. Um, he's no longer in law enforcement, but uh, he's doing good. Uh, we, we, we talk every now and then. And uh, he's, uh, him and his family are doing very well. Beautiful. But, uh, yeah, he did, uh, you know, he did, uh, he did get a pension. And, and and the department supported him, you know, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, that's the thing. We, we saw the picture of the helmet. Oh, good. He was okay. Yeah. No, yeah, there, there, no, was a, there no. was a long-term it, it, long damage to, yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously he didn't, didn't die, which is, you know, incredible. Yeah. But, absolutely. you know, I think, absolutely. It, I think people need to know that that was the cost yes. of one of the rescue attempts. Yes. So. Yes. So. All right. Absolutely. Well, then. Um, I know we've been chatting for almost two hours now, really? but I want to, yeah. <laughs> but I want to get to kind of like yeah, the after action. So just, just know it's that long. I mean, it's good, right? <laughs> no, it is. It is. Actually, I might have to even change the battery in a minute. So if, we, if it flashes at me, we'll have to do all that. Right, all right. Um, but uh, yeah, so you obviously we got the bomb. So we're just going to yeah. wrap up that, and then mm-hmm, at, mm-hmm. there's a very, I think, very powerful story as to the, the, yeah. the following 24 hours. So okay, um, so uh, the bomb uh, ended up not being a bomb. Uh, it's a it's a battery pack that fell from the ceiling, that uh, really landed, landed perfectly between his legs. So uh, this God's crazy got a shit. Sense of humor, huh? Oh, Jeez. I tell you what, I tell you what, <laughs> I tell you what. Um, no bombs were found, uh, and uh, so that's that's done. You know, so uh, uh, you wanted to, uh, me to talk about the. Uh, the next 24 hours yeah so just, so just, i mean yeah. that's the thing so there you've been literally in a, in a war zone like you said yeah so yeah. how did you then de-escalate and then and yeah, then the yeah. kind of after um, action stuff so i tell you uh one of the great things that that was done was uh his, it was so it ends at 5 30 in the morning you know um the guys that were involved in the shooting kind of get whisked away. You know, we got to wait for everybody, for the FBI and internal affairs and, and our, our command staff and FDLE. So they, they all got to take a turn talking to us, which was which is we get it, you know, but that takes time. So we're sitting in this room eating pizza for hours, you know, After so almost dying. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, but we're with each other. So so so, um, you know, it's just. Of course, when you're involved in stuff and you're by yourself, so the different mod- at least I was with you and you know my and my, my my guys, you know. So uh, that's always good. So uh, we were able to just talk and, and, and shoot the shit and watch some TV and, and uh, I think we were watching a movie too. Anyway, uh, uh, they finally come talk to us and we're heading home. Um, freaking the phone goes off again. I'm like you got to be shitting. There's no way. And plus, I'm relieved of duty anyway. So I mean, I'm, not, <laughs> yeah, I'm not responding. Like, yeah, I can't do My shit anyway. So, getting into bed at some uh, point. <laughs> mandatory meeting that day at 5 p.m. or whatever the hell it said at the FOP lodge. Um, okay, and I'm you know I'm I'm half 
just asleep anyway. So uh, and it says, you know, bring wife or what? I'm like, okay, well, this is social, you know. So cool, it's a social thing. So uh, I, I got home, went to sleep, um, woke up in time to go to this damn thing. I, I, didn't, I didn't watch TV. So I, I remembered uh, driving, got my son with me, and, we, and, and we're driving uh, to the FOP Lodge. And Sunday mornings in uh, downtown Orlando are like a ghost town, especially just outside of downtown. Um, and I remember going, and I saw, I swear it had to be a thousand people in line. I'm like, what the hell's going on? And I remember just passing them and I get to the FOP Lodge and they had a TV on and it's all about Pulse. National news. I had no idea. I was in Portugal. It, yeah. was, it was international news. So international news. And I, to me, it was, it was an incident. We took care of and we almost died, but we didn't. And, and, and didn't know anything about the bomb being a fake still. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? No, I had no idea. Wow. So we, we, we lived. It was an incident that happened in, in small town Orlando. I had no idea how big it was. And at, at that moment, the light bulb went on. The line was people giving blood. I had no idea. Which is beautiful. Yeah. Like the, the unity we saw after was incredible. And uh, so at the FOP Lodge... And Captain Canty just basically uh, shelled out and, and took care of everybody for it's a barbecue and for, just for us to just decompress, you know. And I just I can't say enough about his leadership uh, and, and just having the presence of mind to say, you know, we need our moment, you know, just to we ain't got to talk shop. We just we're just gonna be us and, and talk amongst us and see how your wife's doing and see how your kid's doing and how you're doing. And we had a little, we had a little get together just, just so the family's all there. He called the active members, past and present members were there. He called the active guys together. He said his thing. Um, and then we just went in, we went in, we, we enjoyed ourselves, you know, and uh, just, it was so needed it was so needed. Uh, I can't. I can't say enough. It was just great. So um, again, that's kudos to leadership. He just, you know, he he did a lot of things that night. And I've I've breezed through a lot. And same thing with Scott Smith. They did they did so many things uh, leadership wise. Uh, made some decisions in this whole thing. It just unbelievable, you know. And I I'll praise him to the cows come home. So yeah, yeah. No, I mean that is it's incredible. I know, like you said, the mandatory. You're probably dying to sleep yeah. longer, but <laughs> but I mean it is, you know. But not being forced to. You know, tell, tell me about your feelings. Just being given some space, yeah. but again, around that team and yes. around your extended team right, right, to right. to just decompress. And you yeah. might find a corner with one person and end That's up right. floating on them, or, you know, or it might be, like you said, yeah. not talking about it at all. But at least you had yeah, the opportunity. I think everybody kind of, everybody for the most part was just, you may mention it a little bit, but it wasn't really talked about. We were talking about just other stuff, you know, or just whatever. You know, and uh, it just was a good time to kind of unwind. And and, and uh, looking back on it, it was a good time to unwind for what was coming 
as far as you know again it being a news just 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 made its own little stress you know on everybody so it was good to kind of have that unwind and then and then you know uh somewhat start refreshed on what was coming you know so yeah well speaking yeah. of what was coming another the very powerful thing that came out of your interview with with doug and those guys was and it's something that we just don't think about even as a fireman i don't really think about it is now you're on national tv yeah. being named as one of the people that took out this terrorist or yes, this sir. you know extremist we want to call them <laughs> um having you know daddy has killed someone is something yeah. that people don't think about you know and especially yeah. at the moment there's this thing like there's this absolute fantasy that cops are just dying to go out there and start killing people of different colors <laughs> and creeds which is insanity so so talk about that talk about the fact that you know how you were preparing your family for the media shitstorm that was going to follow yeah and uh so nobody trains you for that part um it, it was so being involved in this situation is is you know you come home and tell your family about about the situation you were involved in and, and that maybe uh you know you gotta go do some interviews and that kind of thing but because of this thing being international news uh and and, and you know that i just i had a hard time uh finding how I was going to explain to my son that, you know, news cameras may be coming around, you know, uh, the phone is going to be ringing off the hook. Even, you know, uh, even my cell phone be ringing off the hook, uh, from newspapers and, and, and def- you know, different, you know, and, and just no comment. They may try to get comments from you and, and, uh, that uh, every family is different, of course, but you know, uh, knowing my my son, um, he was fourteen at the time, yeah, and uh, he, you know, I just didn't. He went through his own little thing, worrying about dad, and that's not what he signed up for. You know, and that's kind of what got me. So um, not knowing, I don't know if I did it right, you know, and I, and I, I struggle with that today. Um, you know, did, did I, did I prepare him for, for, for that? And, and that, that, that being such a, a huge incident, um, that, that I go about it the right way. I, you know, I don't, I don't know, but um, I saw him have some issues with it and that that bothered me that bothered me yeah well i think that's just it so kind of going back to some things we touched on the beginning of the the conversation the whole defund the police and all this stuff so listening as as an outsider as a firefighter that wasn't on scene as someone who's never been sworn Mm -hmm. in as a law enforcement officer Mm -hmm. what the men and women on that scene did and the risks they took and and you know again their families were without that loved one while you were there risking your life, thinking you're going to get blown up or shot or, you know, whatever it was, how many people were going to do that? You know what I mean? So just this, this is one story of one incident, you know, right. I've had, you know, 
so many people with so many powerful mm-hmm. stories that have put right. themselves in the right. same position. Right. Um, you know, but then like you said, the, the, the family is another thing, like yeah. not knowing if, if dad's going to come home, you're watching the TV, it happens during the day right? and you right. know that you're there and you're the eight year old kid that's in mm-hmm. tears for eight mm-hmm. hours. Cause you're not mm-hmm. sure if your dad got shot. Yeah. It, it I tell you, it was, uh, that that's a true statement and, and it affects, you know, you, you we've tell people that all the time. It's not just, and I'm making a number up here, but it's not just the 50 cops that showed up. It's the 50 cops and their spouses and their kids and the loved ones beyond that. Um, because like you said, this thing was on the news so quick, and, you know, God forbid it had been, you know, high noon, right? Cause, I mean, that would have been even worse, but uh, you know, it was on the news so quick. And after, immediately after the shooting and well i'm sorry immediately after we had gotten everybody out that we could that was alive uh uh we were taken back the shooters we kind of corralled and first thing we did hey call make a phone call call right now to your loved ones let them know you're okay and so that that was huge uh to at least net you know, so I call mom and dad. My, my mom, you know, she can get on the horn and get everybody. So she uh, she got on the horn and let everybody know I was okay. But uh, that was a big deal for me. That's a big deal for me. More so on this one because, again, I and this is me thinking back now. But, you know, at the moment, I didn't realize, again, how big it was. But thinking back, I am so happy that. I called her and she got the news out quick that I was okay because by seven, eight o'clock when people were waking up to, to this, that would have completely freaked everybody out. And and I, and I, and I went for everybody. I mean, I, everybody that's there, I'm, I'm hoping, and I, I'm sure they did. Everybody had to make that phone call and let everybody know that they were okay. Uh, it affects everybody. And, and I can go on and on. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, but it's important that we that we tell that. Now, you mentioned about the the phones. One thing I wanted to just kind of uh, visit is, and I've heard this from a couple of people that were involved in a couple of people, you know, the um, you know, from from news stories, mm-hmm. but the cell phones in the club. So, yeah. so you know, that yeah. seems to be uh, you know an element that haunts a lot of people. Yeah. Um, so I didn't I didn't know this. Uh, you know, years ago, this is something I found out here. Uh, in last year and a half or so, uh, so going into the club um, and seeing the carnage is one thing, but something uh, it's the phones. The phones were just they were lighting up the, the floor, if you will, uh, and it, you know, I always think about that. That's somebody's mother, you know, somebody's sister, brother. A father trying to get in touch with whoever because they've heard what's going on and it, it was a it's a it's a I guess eerie is the right word it's an eerie sight to see all those phones uh, going off you know uh, uh, flashing and so I, it, it always fucked with me a little bit, and uh, I didn't know till later that that's kind of a common 
deal in these incidents that those phones uh you know i i was talking to somebody uh shit had to be had to be two three years later after the incident maybe two years later uh, uh, um from down south at the the airport deal that happened down in uh, fort lauderdale fort lauderdale yes so uh and i i had just finished talking about the pulse thing and uh Mention a little bit about this. Just, just breeze by the phones real quick. And he came and found me and told me, man, he's having the same issue with the phones. And that's what, come to find out, talking to more people, that's a common, I had no idea. I never heard that, you know, but I've, I've learned, uh, and, and the people I'm talking to now and, and uh, other people that have been involved in active shooter things, that, that's a common phenomenon, I guess. So, but yeah, it, it was, it was eerie. It's an eerie sight to see. It really yeah. is. So I can't imagine. Well, you, speaking of, of it fucking with mm-hmm, you, mm-hmm. clearly there's a lot to process there, and that's yeah. and that's yeah. a day. So yeah. there's that plus all the other things that you did in your career, yeah. the undercover work, the gang yeah, work. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. how have you been able to process that and transition out of uh, full time law enforcement? You know, um, it, it's it's a process, man. It's a uh, some of it. So my story is weird because I actually I went from uh, OPD and I, I I got hired with FDLE. So I went straight from one to another, and I, but I only I was only there for like five months. I was like, you know what, this is not, it's not for me. It's just it's too different. I, I don't want to do it. So I left then and, and became reserved with OPD. Um, but as far as the transition from you know just kind of go 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 to just just kind of stopping and. Um, a lot has my, my son and my family's helped me a lot um a little bit of counseling um but that that was just to for me and this is, this is going to sound weird but just to make sure i wasn't crazy you know <laughs> no it <laughs> doesn't sound weird you know, it's uh, like a barometer i yeah, just want you know hey i'm you know this is what i'm feeling it and, and, and I, yeah you know that's normal you know it's okay quick you know cool so uh you know just kind of anxious about my next chapter you know um and and i i uh it's it's just weird but uh i was telling the pulse story and uh debriefing it uh, uh, giving a presentation and i met doug monda he, he saw me speak. <laughs> Never heard of him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I met Doug Monda, and uh, he saw me speak on, on the Pulse thing, and uh, he's uh, he's taking me under his wing, so that, that that's kind of giving me a little direction, you know, since I've been uh, retired, you know, just with trauma behind the badge, and uh, uh, that that's helped a lot, too, you know, kind of, you know, get, again, giving me a little bit more direction and what I want to do, and, and just the... the, the because I was uh, now also I, I do some training with, an, with a, a company, uh, NNF training, uh, and we do tactical type stuff. And uh, but we also do the presentations and we talk about PTSD. And our message with them was, uh, is just basically get help. You know, it, it just whatever it is, find some way to get help. And uh, trying behind a badge kind of gave me some more direction. And, and uh, that's that's how I've been lucky to transition. I really, really is. I've just, you know, I've been, uh, I've been real lucky, real fortunate. Beautiful. Yeah. The other thing that's a common denominator is 
finding another tribe. So obviously yeah. as a reserve, you've right. got your old tribe still. Right. But then now you've got Doug and yes, Chris sir. and all those yes, guys. Sir. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a good way to put it. Absolutely. Beautiful. Tribe. I like it. Yeah. yeah. Well, while we're on that, so so let's talk about Trauma Behind the Badge. Yes, sir. People listening, how can they, they find more about the, the podcast and what yeah, they offer? Yeah. Uh, com. Uh, you go right there and you'll, you'll see the debriefs and you get, you get uh, we're every Tuesday at seven o'clock. And just go right to that website, register to, to get on, and uh, we talk about everything. I mean, uh, nothing's off limits. It's kind of like the podcast we're doing now. So uh, it's uh, nothing's off limits, uh, and, and we try to uh, spread it out. We have all different kind of guests on from different walks of the first responder community, uh, from from fire, and we had the crime scene investigators on a couple weeks ago, uh, dispatchers, and, and just uh, the education I'm getting is just phenomenal um you know i'm the i'm the baby of the group uh, not by age but and just learning the, the the whole uh this this whole uh ptsi ptsd thing uh uh and i'm just i'm learning so much uh you know the the, the crime scene investigators are just just eye opening to me the dispatchers like i knew but i didn't know you know and, and what they go through and uh it's just it's just been a uh, it's just it's been wonderful. It's, again, it's it's really given me direction. I I am excited to uh, to just help. Um, I really am, uh, you know. And, and if my story can just open the eyes of somebody, get somebody go talk to somebody, or make somebody uh, reach out to another person and, and just say, "Are you okay?" Then then I'm going to keep doing it, you know. And and that's uh. I can't say enough, but, you know, to you and, and, and to Doug, Chris, uh, the, to, to, to Chris, excuse me, the Scallon and Fields. So uh, they, they've taken, you know, and all you guys have just uh, been great to me. And uh, if I can do anything to help another first responder, I'm here. I'm here. Beautiful. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what's so nice about what, what they're doing. You know, that's the goal of this podcast is, you know, we talked about some upper echelon not playing yeah. with each other and this, yeah, this yeah, has removed yeah. all the barriers and i know right. we're not official no you know we're not talking about you know an mci plan right but getting that cross-pollination and mm -hmm. realizing like you said csi dispatch you right. Know, right corrections i mean all yeah. these things, we're, yeah. all, we're yeah. all the same people absolutely really. absolutely so i was it, it's so funny i was just talking to uh uh or did somebody bring it up last night well I, I think somebody brought it up last night during during the uh, show last night, Trauma Behind the Badge, about sex crimes people. Mm -hmm. And a couple of days ago, that's what it was, a couple of days ago, a good friend of mine that I went to high school with, she was a sex crimes detective in, in Orlando. Just just unbelievable stories I can tell you about her. She just, just that, that, that was her thing. That was her calling. She really was good at it. And she just retired. So I want to reach out to her. Um, and somebody was mentioning it last night on, on the show. I'm like, man, that's got to be another one of our topics. We've got to have them. Because, man, talk about trauma. If you're doing that for long enough, that the things that you've got to be, you know, got to be going on in your head. Mm. Social uh, you know, work is another one. Oh, goodness. Yeah, I can't even imagine. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. So, um, and again, it's just, I didn't know what I didn't know. I mean, I, I know you, 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 it's it's common sense, but just not, I've never thought about it before. So these are things that are just opening my eyes up, and I'm just I'm trying to see it all and, and, and learn as much as I can. So again, if I can help, you know, but if I learn something, and I can help and re, uh, repay it to somebody. I'm definitely going to do it. 
beautiful now apart from that is there any other way of reaching out on you are you on the social media or anything i know oh, a lot of law enforcement shit. tend not to be Raul Rivas on Facebook. Uh, <laughs> I don't. Uh, that, that's pretty much the ways to get with me. And uh, we're uh, trying behind the badge. It's got our phone number on it. It's got my direct number. You can call me anytime. I'll. I'll uh, who does go out to? Uh, pretty much everyone now. <laughs> okay, yeah. so. You find me on trauma behind the badge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't start giving out numbers. Yeah, yeah. Some people yeah, have. But. <laughs> yeah, you find me there, and uh, I'm easy to find. Once you get on that website, it, it's got all of our information on it. You give me a call day or night. Uh, my phone is, you know, unfortunately stuck to my ass. So <laughs> I, <laughs> it's, a, it's a habit now. But, um, you know, and, and, I, and I'll tell you, uh, also with this is that we've been able to help some people, um, you know, and, and, and personally help some people. And, and, and uh, that's what it's all about for me. I mean, I, I can't I can't say enough that, uh, you know, we and I mean that you included uh, I, I, and I wouldn't be talking to you. I, I think we're doing it for the right reasons. Um, and. and just anybody listening to this, you know, if you're, if you're going through anything, don't hesitate to call any one of us. Uh, you know, we don't, I, I promise you, I don't have all the answers, but I, I will, I will die trying to find the answers. So, um, you can call me anytime. Beautiful. Yes, well, sir. I think that's a great place to wrap up. I just want to say thank you. Thank you, sir. I can't, I can't take enough for, for driving all this way. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. Um, hell, I, if I didn't know, I didn't know we can be talking. I, I would have fed you dinner, man. I'm, I'm sorry. Oh, I know. I know. It's, it's funny. These podcasts, you know, I knew this was probably going to go oh. longer because, I mean, you had your earlier life. Yeah. We had some of the tangents we had at the beginning. Right, but, right, but, right. I mean, just like with Maria and, and, and uh, yeah. Ryan and, and uh, Davis, these stories need to be told properly, yeah. you know, and it's taken whatever it's been two and a half hours, or whatever, but you know, wow. that's, that's just it. And for people to understand, like you said, all these, these, um, professions that have mm. a label, yeah. you know, like, you know, like you said, yeah. sex crimes detective, yeah. Yeah. The, the trauma they take on. And like, and as, just as you said before, for them to sit in an apartment somewhere with a bottle of liquor and a gun on their lap, all they've done for this community this country you know whatever it was and to be left alone i mean i, I agree yeah. with you 100 percent. that has yeah. to stop has to stop has to stop so yeah I, thank you so much i can't tell you enough man i appreciate it i <laughs> i'm in awe <laughs> thanks man <laughs>